is what happens. So just stand up right quick and let's just do a few declarations. They're in your bulletin. Can you grab your bulletin? It says honor declarations. Give you a second to find it. And you can just say it along with me. Well, you guys probably can't. All right, are you ready? Honor releases life. I am experiencing increasing revelation of the power of honor. I consistently recognize the glory in others. Because I walk in humility and so honor everywhere I go, I experience an increase of honor in my life. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's worship the Lord this morning. God is good. Amen.
of a generation. Here we are, God, shake a nation. All we need is your love. You captivate me. This is the anthem of a generation. Here we are, God, shake a nation. All we need is your love. You captivate me. This is the anthem of a generation. Here we are, God, shake a nation. All we need is your love. You captivate me. This is the anthem of a generation. Here we are, God, shake a nation. All we need is your love. You captivate me. today he's redigging the wells for us he's causing at this very moment the past the present and the future are coming all together into one this is a day like like has not happened before this is a special day this is a day recorded in the annals of the history of your lives 
because this is a day when the past and the present and the future become one. And as I have meshed these into one, as you have brought honor to the house and you have brought honor to the past and you bring honor to the present and you are bringing honor to your future, I declare to you, you are a people after my own heart. You are a people after my own heart. And as you seek me, I declare you shall find me. In the days ahead, you shall find me mightily because I'm doing something different here. I'm doing something with the people who want me to do something. I'm doing something with the people who's moldable, who wants to change, who wants to see the glory of God settle in and stay. So I declare to you, this day is like no other. So come and just lay your cares aside and participate and be changed by the anointing that's in this house today. There is an anointing that you have not been able to touch before because it is so very precious what is going on in this house today. Won't you let this be a sacrifice? Let me dedicate my life to worship you. Won't you let this be a sacrifice? Let me dedicate my life to worship you. I'm a lover of your presence. 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 You're all that really satisfies We worship you Our passion stirring deep inside You're all that really satisfies We worship you I'm a lover of your presence I'm a lover of your presence I'm a lover of I'm a 
was made for love. I was made for love. I was made for loving you. I was made for love. I was made for love. I was made for loving singing and praising and worshiping the Lord about His presence. And He led me to this word, Zephaniah chapter 3. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. 
On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Come on, let's give the Lord a mighty shout of victory this morning. Thank you, Father. Just go ahead and just put your hand on your heart this morning. Just put your hand on your heart this morning. I'm, my prayer for you this morning is that God will invade every circumstance in your life today. That His love will just invade every circumstance or situation that you're up against today. So, Father, we just ask that you just release your encounters. I release encounters of God's love, encounters of His goodness, encounters of His grace, encounters of His mercy upon your lives today. I just say that you have an encounter as we honor God today that, that He'll heal up. I just I use the term whack you, that He'll just whack you with His love. God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God is love. And Father, I thank You that You take Your sons and Your daughters and You just release encounters of Your goodness, encounters of Your love right now today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Can we give Him another shout of praise? Hallelujah. Hey, good morning and welcome this morning. We're glad you're here this morning. The first through fourth graders are going to stay in with us today. We're going to release the kindergartens through the infants today. You guys are going to head out that way. Rachel's back there for you. Listen, we like to do something here at Living Word Fellowship. We get out of our seats, meet and greet somebody this morning. So why don't you get out of your seat and meet and greet someone this morning just for a few minutes. God bless.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know everybody wanna, wants to talk to the Westons, and we'll, after, after, after our service here, I'm sure you're going to get to visit with them. So if you can go ahead and find your seats. Praise the Lord. Okay, if everyone can go ahead and find their seats. I know you love meeting and greeting. One of your favorite things to do. But we got lots going on this morning. Praise God, praise God. God is good all the time. Amen. All right, I just have, I'm limiting, I'm limiting my information to you this morning. So, uh, Tommy, raise your hand at us. Tommy, yeah, Tommy Millison is going to be having surgery Thursday, weather permitting. For pre-op, okay. All right, I'm sorry, pre-op Thursday, surgery the following Tuesday to raise up some things here on his face of what's going on. So we want to be praying for Tommy and praying for the pre-op to go smoothly. Amen. Also, Marie just told me that more than likely, yes, Sandy. Oh, I thought, I thought you had an update for me. She's waving. Women's Bible study tomorrow. John. Yes. Praise the Lord. Woohoo. That's an awesome testimony. She was on life support. She's back home now. So let's give God some praise. Amen. We like those testimonies. Amen. Okay, so no Bible study because the blizzard is coming. I said, however, God is going to get our land wet, it's just okay. We'll take whatever amount of snow that he brings us, amen, whether it's 12 or 30. I keep hearing 30 inches now, so probably some drifts will be that or more. Anyway, we're thankful, and just stay in and be safe if that's what's going on tomorrow, okay? Nothing's more important than your life, so if you don't have to get out, don't get out. If you do have to get out, we should tell your bosses not to have to make you get out, right? Okay. We, we, uh, we want to give to the Lord. And I know I shared some of this last week, but this is what I know. I don't think we get it one time around. Well, maybe you guys do. Do you? Anyway, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 7, actually the end of chapter 6, where it says in, in verse 20 of Hebrews 6, 20, it says, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever. Say, high priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. And in chapter 7, it says, for this Melchizedek. Who is that Melchizedek? 
Jesus, king of Salem, priest of the Most High, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness. There's only one king of righteousness. Is that right? And then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days or end of life. Who is that? Jesus. But made like the son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. And we talked about what perpetually means, right? Forever and ever and ever. So if we jump down to verse 6, it says, But the one whose genealogy is not traced, from them collected a tenth from Abraham. We've talked about coming out of the law and coming into grace and why we tithe under grace. That it was something that was done before the law. This was Abraham. This was before the law was set in place. It continued after this with the Levitical priesthood. So we can go back because some, some will say, well, I don't have to tithe anymore because, because it's, it's the law and we're under grace. But I'm showing you how God's order is set in place here. Abraham tithed to the king of Salem, the king of peace, which we believe is Jesus Melchizedek, this Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, he was apportioned his tenth. Then let's go over to 7 verse 8. It says, in this case, mortal men receive tithes, but in that case, one receives them of whom it is witness that he lives on. So we talked about why are we giving? Every time we come and give in this house, we're saying that he lives on. He lives on in you. And down in verse 15, and it says, Who has become such not on the basis of a law of physical requirement? It's not because you're required. It's because you get to. It's because you love him. It's because you love him that you give. But according to the power of an indestructible life. So we're declaring when we give that he lives on. We're declaring the lordship of Jesus Christ. Every time we're giving, we're giving our tithes. We're giving above our tithes. We're giving our offerings. We're declaring the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're declaring that he lives on. And we're declaring the indestructible life that Jesus has given us. By dying on the cross, shedding his blood. And that's why we give. So let's stand to our feet. Father, we love you. And we thank you. That Jesus is our high priest forever and ever and ever. That no longer do we have to shed any blood because your blood was the ultimate blood that was shed on the cross. And, Father, because of that, we bring our tithes. We bring our offerings to you. Because we're declaring that you live on in our lives, that we are yours. We declare the indestructible life 
we declare your lordship in our lives. So this morning as we come and give, Father, I thank you that I believe that as we honor you with our tithes and offerings, I thank you that it opens doors. I thank you that it enables us to be a family right here in Woodward, Oklahoma. And without it, we couldn't come together. I thank you, Father, that you designed it that way. And I thank you, Father, that you love your kids and that we give back to you just a portion of what you blessed us with. We honor you this morning with our tithes and offerings in Jesus' name. Amen. Raindrops rolling off my brim. Street lights got the pavement glistening. Touchdown, I fall into your arms. Right where I belong, your everlasting arms. And where would I be without you? I'll be back in my bag when I need to stay. I'll be chasing every breeze that blows my way. Church, let's sing it with him. Give the Lord some praise in the house. He is, he is worthy. 
He is worthy. There's a place that I want to get to today. My heart is so full to overflowing. Last night we had the opportunity to to do some things and and have a banquet and we've been talking about honor. Say honor. Come on, say honor. We've been talking about honor and what does it mean? And this month is a, a month of honor. We are developing a culture of honor. I know that when we honor others, I was thinking about when it talked about honor, when Shelly talked about honoring Jesus through your tithes, through your offerings. Did you know that the Bible tells us that when we honor Jesus, we honor the Father? We honor Jesus, we honor the Father. So Jesus said, whatever we do in word and deed, we do it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Or the word says, that's what we do. So if we, as we honor him in every area of our lives, I don't think this is just selective, James. I think it's, we just, we honor continually. We don't just honor just every now and then. We don't just honor every once in a while. We don't just honor when we feel like we're really good and we should honor somebody. We should honor all those people, everybody around us in situations and circumstances that we have in our lives. Honor your bosses. Honor your employees. Honor those around you. Honor mother and father. You know, I was thinking about the scripture that that he talks about it in Exodus 20, 12, and Jesus quotes it over and over through Matthew and Mark and Luke, where he talks about honor your father and your mother. That means to highly regard or highly esteem, to honor your father and your mother. And that comes with a promise. And with that promise is attached life, say life. So if I understand the scriptures and I read them and look at them, when, when they're talking about honoring your mother, obey your, obey your mother and father, honor your mother and father, so it will go well with you. The Bible says that your days would be prolonged and that it would go well with you. In other words, when there's honor and attached to honor is life. Attached to honor is what? life. It's life. There's life attached to honor. So as we honor people, as we honor others, there is life that God releases. Come on, it's a Zoe life into us. There is a vibrant life. There's a life full of joy. There's a life that's happy. Come on, not sad. Then situations. He says, you know, when, when we begin to honor each other and one another, things begin to happen and it's life. Say life. I want to share with you a little bit because we honor you and we're here today and I'm looking at the Weston family and we honor you guys today. Johnny, that includes you. Can I get an amen? We're honoring you today. We're honoring the family today. We're honoring you guys. And last night, you know, it was just another step that we took. So today we're just going to, we're going to take another step forward. I want to show you some scriptures real quick. If you got your Bibles, just turn with me to 1 Peter I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 17. And if you want to, I'll also put it up on the screen for you here. He says, what, do what to all people? Everybody, what? Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Love and Fear, fear God, honor the king. And we can go in there and we could say, well, he's talking about earthly kings. He's talking about, you know, kings of that day. But how many of you also know it can mean honor King Jesus? He says we need to, to honor just a few people. Just the people that we think can get something from them. Oh, come on, just the rich folk. We should just honor just the poor folk. He says honor what? All. 
And I know Pastor Tanya has studied out the word all in the Greek, in the Hebrew, in the French, and, and, and it all means all. It means all people, right? So we, we were to honor all people, honor all people. Exodus 20, 12, I shared with you, it says, Honor your father and your mother, and that your days may be prolonged in the land of which the Lord your God is giving you. So when we honor others, we don't realize how, how we dishonor people. We, I don't believe that we want to dishonor people, but I believe there's such a power in honoring people that it will bring life. Anybody want a more abundant life? Yeah, I want a more abundant life. Let me go to another scripture here. Romans 12, 10. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in, in honor. And that's what we're doing with the Weston family today. We're giving you preference and honor, honoring you. The last scripture that I've got, of course, is Romans 13, 7. I don't think I gave it to you to put up, Cade. But it, it really, literally means render to them what is due to them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to who custom is due. Are you with me? Fear to whom fear is due. We're not talking about being afraid, but we're, we're talking about a healthy dose of respect. And then he goes on and says, honor to whom honor is due. So today we really want to begin to honor the Weston family again. Last night we talked about the past. We talked about some things, and, and I found out that it was in, in 1996 that they, they uh, started the Enid Living Word Fellowship. So, Pastor Terry and your wife, Cindy, would you guys stand up? We honor you today. This is the pastors from Enid Living Word Fellowship, and we welcome you guys here today. God bless you. We talked about how, how the Weston family, specifically Tony and Tanya, ministered in this community for 19 years. In 1985, they, they founded Living Word Fellowship Church in Woodward, Oklahoma. And they pastored here for 13 years. Can we give them some honor there for that? For 13 years, they pastored here. I began to start thinking about legacy, and I began to start really looking at what legacy is and what legacy was and what is it about a legacy. And a lot of times we attach a monetary value to legacy, money that's being passed down. But it can also be, be attached property. There can be attached, attached things. There can actually be a heritage that is being passed down that a legacy would be. And you pass down. So I want to pass down a heritage to my children and my children's children. Come on, somebody. And, and we talked about last night about the passing down of generations to the 10th generation, that there's blessings flowing. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to receive me some blessings. Come on. God wants you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed. Hello? God wants you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed. So one of the things that had been passed down, and, and, and we're excited to be able to do something here today, but we've got a special guest with us also today. It's Mike Wilcox, and he is the headmaster. Mike, will you stand up? He's the headmaster at the Woodward Christian Academy. Could we give him some praise? Thank you so much for being with us today. It's like, what's Mike doing here today? Mike's got a special presentation we're going to make today. Amen? So the, the, the wonderful legacy that has been passed down is not only the Christian Academy itself, but there's also Christian music. Anybody ever listen to 90.7 FM? 
And if you're listening to KGIL here in Woodward, you're listening on 90.7 FM, which was actually started with the, with the Weston family. Can I get an amen for that? Come on, let's give the Lord some praise for that. You guys have impacted the lives of many. Your family has impacted the lives of many. I don't want you to discount that. There is a difference with us bringing you in here today and flattering you versus honoring you. Flattery is not what we're here. It's not what we're doing. It's not what it's about. Sometimes I spoke last week about being flattery. If you, fla- if you, if you, if you use flattery, the motives are wrong. Honor, we're honoring you for who you are, the family in which you come from, the generation in which you come from, the, the legacy that's being passed down, and, and, and it's about honor. It's not about f- flattery, but it's about speaking destiny and plan and purpose into your life. It's about letting you guys know how much Living Word Fellowship has impacted people. Are you guys all a testament to that Living Word Fellowship has impacted your life? Can I get a great big hearty amen? We talked about the past last night. This morning, we're going to talk about the present and the future. Before I step out of the past, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about some things with Living Word Fellowship after you have transferred this ministry to us. When you believed in us and Shelly and I stepped in, not knowing how to pastor, what to pastor, what to do, it was an experience, and it has been an experience. And we're ever growing. I think the more I, the, the more I think I know, the less I know. <laughs> the more I think I know, the more I think I got this thing. I got an understanding. It's kind of like God. You know, it's like the more I got him figured out, it's like poof, he expands, you know, and breaks out of the box that I had him in. I had you in this nice little neat God box, you know, and, and all I could hear was, let me out, let me out. So we're just going to let God be God. Amen. We're going to let him out of the box. So no matter how you've got him figured out or what's going on in your, in your mind about how God is, I'm telling you, he is bigger than you think he is. Say, God's got a way. So before we talk about the present and then step into some of the, about the future, I began to start meditating this morning on some things. And I thought about this ministry. This ministry, Weston's, in which has been founded that you were the foundation of. Just this past year sent people to Mexico. Just this past year, sent people to Brazil. Just this past year, sent people to India. Just this past year, come on, somebody. Just this past year, sent somebody to Argentina. Amen. Egypt. Africa. Uganda. We sowed orphanages into orphanages in India. We sowed housing into Uganda. Remember Jackson Sinyanga when he came and and we took up a special offering and did something for the people in the nation of Uganda. I began to start thinking about those things, and this is all your legacy. This is all part of that. Did you know when we send somebody to Brazil, then when we go with that person, if we don't physically go with them, come on, we are going with them. They're carrying the DNA of the house into Brazil, and lives are being changed. Lives are being transformed. Lives, things are beginning to shift and happen in people's lives, and they're part of that. Can I get an amen? Come on, am I in the right church this morning? So you, you have to understand this. You have a legacy. There are some things foundationally that you are, that there is something coming. There's something coming because of the foundation that was put there. I began to start thinking about 
in the United States where we had sent people to Mexico. We've sent people to the Four Corners. You've ministered at the Four Corners Reservation. Sioux Indian Reservation, North and South Dakota has been ministered to. Mission Native America across the United States, that has been part of what you've sent people into. Do you realize that? There's a part of that, Shelby, that's there, that's, that's you. There's a part of that, Chris, that's you. You can't take that back. It's there. Ty, there's a part of that that's you. Tanya, it's a part of that that's you. Johnny, it's a part of that that's you. So wherever we send people, wherever people go, whatever they do, even just, uh, uh, you know, across the nation, this nation itself, there's part of that. There's part of that that we go and we do, even though we're not physically going and doing. So I began to start meditating on the things that have taken place. There's a school that has been tremendously impacted by the power and the love of God. It's Riverside Indian School in Anadarko. We've watched a transformation take place from that school, not allowing us to get in. It's a federally operated school, not allowing us to come in. And under Mission Nate America, we've gone from a place where we couldn't go in and even talk about God to being able to distribute 700 Bibles to students. We have a dorm that we sponsor. It's an Arapaho dorm. There's over 33 girls in that dorm. I could go on for hours about what's taking place down there. I could go on to see where I could tell you about gymnasiums being built and more dorms being built only because we believe that when we went in with the power of God and the power of honor, that all of a sudden the finances were released from the federal government to do some things down there. We're talking $5 million was released that was held up for years and years and years. And when we were able to go in and treat them in a culture of honor and bless them, that all of a sudden this money's released and they built a brand new gymnasium down there. There's some things that are going on and, and it's, just, it's just amazing. I began to start thinking about locally. Locally. You guys have part of a foundation. We started a ministry years ago called Families Helping Families. We've handed, helped over 432 families last year. 15,000 adults, 12,000 children come and get food. It is the largest food bank in northwestern Oklahoma. So much so there's some things, and I'm not at liberty to release it today, but there's some things going to beginning to happen and some things that are heading in a certain direction for us to be able to relocate that facility into its own facility, to be able to open up the hours of operation to meet the need even more. I didn't, didn't know that in 2001 when we launched that out, Faye was a great big part of that. Would you stand up just a moment, you and Jean? Faye was the director of that, and she helped get that started, and I, I couldn't do it without her. And that's her, that's her, she's like, that's my baby, Pastor, that's my baby. She's walking around holding that baby. That baby's growing up. The baby's growing up like all babies should do. Didn't realize the importance and the impact it was until April 15th of last year. When there was a tornado that hit our community. And this church building was opened up as a, as a shelter for the Red Cross. The school was at the, it was in here at that time, and I was like, Mike, can we, 
you know, what can we do? Because we got Red Cross in here. We're going to be a, a shelter. There were people coming in. And I began to, there's so much that it's hard for me to even remember. It was like a whirlwind that was going on, and no much more so than, than our pastors, Jody and Sean, that had had their home destroyed. And since then, God has, we've honored them, and God has honored you, and since then built another home. And they're the first one, I believe, as a seed in that community to be able to build their home and move into it. Would you guys stand this morning and allow us to honor you today and what you've gone through? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. And it's, it's not over. They're not, they're not through it by any means, but they're walking through it, and we're going to be with them through this situation. But their home is, home is rebuilt, and they've moved back in, and I just know there's a prophetic thing that it's there. I began to start thinking about how people came in. And they came in and we took clothes and we took food and we took all sorts of stuff. And it was like day and night. It almost seemed like Jessica worked day and night and she had teams of people. And we had people that were just pretty much almost living down here all the time. And it was just, it was just an amazing thing. And then we had the school in here and, and, and because we wanted to transition the school into their own home place. But we'll give a little more information on that in a little bit. But we began to start realizing how much was taking place. There were two semi-truck loads that people called me up and said, I've got a semi-truck load, and I understand you're the one that is in town that can handle it. And I was, we were overflowing back there because we had got an extra semi-truck load. We had gone through eight and a half semi-truck loads. We're talking about 45,000 pounds of product in one truckload. There was product back there. We had to get a warehouse downtown. I had to get a container dropped in, praise God, for some connections. And we dropped a container in the parking lot and stored water in there. It was just, I mean, it was exploding. And there were people calling in the emergency management. And, and people were coming and getting food. And families needed help. And it was just because of you guys. Because the foundation was there. And if you hadn't have done, if you hadn't answered the call, if you hadn't have stepped in and allowed God to do what he had to do, it wouldn't have happened and it wouldn't have impacted this community as much as it impacted this community. And understand, I'm not boasting in me. If I boast in anything, Paul said, I boast in the Lord. But you guys are displaced from that, meaning you're far away from that. And when you're far away from that, you don't realize it. And we were in the middle of it and it was like, it was like a whirlwind, and people were coming in, and they were, they were giving donations, and they were handing money, and they were saying, how can you help these people? And, and I know one, one organization came in and said, look, if I, can, I give, can I get you to give $100 Walmart gift cards to the 89 families that were affected? And I did the math. That's $8,900. And I said, why me? She said, I heard that if we came in here, that you could make this happen. That's legacy. We heard about Tony would make things happen. And we did that. And we made it happen. We gave building materials, furniture, food, clothing. We paid electric bills. How many of you know when people's houses are displaced, they don't go to work? There were businesses that were shut down, gas bills, gift cards. We fixed vehicles. We replaced windshields. We gave people a place to stay. We had three vehicles that we literally donated to the victims. There were five victims that did not have transportation, couldn't get back and forth to work, and we were able to help supply three of those vehicles. That's your legacy.
the most important thing was Linda Poston helped counsel. There were people that were counseled time and time and time again, people that were prayed for, people that were ministered to, not just taking care of the physical needs, but there was a spiritual need that was there, and people were, were getting, those, those were getting met. And it's because of you. It's because of you guys. It's because of your family. It's because of the foundation that's there that was built upon. And I know this is all news to you. You didn't realize it. See, sometimes we can throw a stone in the water and we don't realize it ripples to the entire edges of that pond. No matter how big that pond is, it creates some movement and some energy. Something begins to happen in there. And as you have, have founded this church and said, we're going to build this on prayer, there was that foundation that was there. You have committed your lives and you've impacted people for the kingdom of God. We were set place in here in 1998, but it started in 1985. And it still echoes, it still resonates. It's still reverberating even to today. And it's not going to stop. Oh, no, you didn't hear what I said. I said it is not going to stop. Hallelujah. So a legacy is something that's gifted, that's handed down. It can be personal property. It can be money. But to us, it's a heritage. It's a foundation. All of this is coming forth. There is a force that is moving, and it's the spirit of the living God. And it's everything that's taken place. If you could take place the prayers of 1985, they are not gone. They are still out here. Come on, somebody. They are still resonating. They are still echoing, ing, 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 ing. They are still there, 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 there. They're still there. And all those things and all those tears and all that ministering and all that pain and all that hurt and all that joy, all those things. As, as I was sitting this morning and I was meditating on this thing and I thought, oh my gosh, this is like one river coming to another river to another river and they're not separate. They're beginning to come together. There is a force that all of a sudden is being released and it's coming forth and it's the kingdom of God. It says in Isaiah that there shall be no end to the increase of his government. Come on, somebody. So as we're looking at this, we're saying, wait a minute, there is something exciting happening today because there's things coming. It's coming from there and 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 these prayers are being answered and these prayers are being answered and it is beginning to be a flood it is flowing out it's flowing out and i'm telling you the enemy doesn't have a chance because god is alive he's not dead hallelujah i didn't come to preach this morning it's a testimony for you guys You can be proud but not boastful. You can walk in confidence. You can walk in assurance. And the wives and the children are going, oh, I didn't know I was part of this. It's a big thing. It's big. I watch the thunder and I see this advertisement and the word B-I-G and I'm thinking, B-I-G, that's God. That's big. It's big. This is big. Johnny, this is big. It's, it's huge. It's bigger than what we are. And I want to be part of something that's bigger than me. 
if I can control it and drive it or whatever, then, then, then come on, it's probably not God. So it's just like it's, it's a snowball rolling downhill. It's beginning to gain momentum. And these things are coming time and time again. So I want to share some testimony. Jerry and Virginia, will you come on up and will you share what the Lord has given you today? I'm going to have some couples come up and share. And then I'm going to share with you a little bit about last night's dedication. And then we've got some things to honor this morning. And then I want to give Tanya an opportunity to share. This is a rarity. I don't usually get up here. Okay? You know that, don't you? You've been around long enough to know that. Well, I've got to go back to the past just a little bit because our our ordeal with them started a long time ago. And I want to say like almost 30 years ago, but I know that would put a, an age line on people. And so I don't want to, that's all right with me for 30 years ago, but the ladies don't like that 30 years ago. We got moved out of a church in Visayan. God moved us out. And we, one Sunday, we stayed at home the first Sunday, and we decided, Lord, this is not for us. We can't stay at home. So my wife, the student she is, she looked in the books and found a couple of Holy Spirit-filled churches. Lo and behold, the age we are, we was always early. We'd come early. We drove around, checked both, both the churches, and we elected to go to this church first. We got in there, and young people, I mean, young people, kids everywhere. Our kids were all gone. Kids everywhere. But anyway, we went to Sunday school class. She taught the class. An outstanding job. Young person that knew so much. Then we go to church, and there's that young kid up there, younger than my kids, and he was preaching the word that we'd never heard before. But anyway, we had elected to go to two churches before we made a decision. So we went to this other church, walked in. They were young, too, except for Miss Lucille and us. Anyway, we elected to go to that church, but God had a different story for us. It didn't take very long, a couple of years maybe, something like that. Uh, he moved the pastor we had there to merge with this church, and he was going on the road. So we come back into Living Word Fellowship. And then God moved again and moved them from that little old church to the Assembly of God Church. So the old Assembly of God Church. Anyway, let's get back to some things I like to talk about besides all of it. Pastor Tony found out that I skied. And he started at that time and said, we got to go skiing. So we did. And that started back in, what, 1985 or six. It is still going on. We've dropped a little bit in number this year, but there's still going to be three of us that go out with some other commitments that they couldn't make. But I want to tell about a couple of stories. One time, the guys went out to, where was that? Breasted Butte. Do you remember that? And some way or other, Tony and his son Shelby got tangled up on the ski slope. And it wasn't because Shelby was going fast. He probably never went fast. But I think they were probably racing. 
No, they probably wouldn't do that, though, but they probably did. And anyway, they collided, cut his jacket, cut his arm, Tony's, and we worked for three hours to try to get him to go to the doctor out there. Finally did and got some stitches. Then there was another time that we went skiing. We had ladies with us and families with us. We went to Monarch. Do you remember that? You probably don't want to put that out of your mind, don't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know whether, have you ever fallen up on the ski slope? Have you ever gone back on the ski slope? Good, good. Anyway, she got out that morning with much encouragement and happened when you're skiing, you never get off the beaten trail. But she did. I don't know whether she couldn't stop, but I happened to come along and she was hollering, get me out of here, get me out of here. So the one thing for me to do, but get down in the ditch, push Pastor Tanya out of the ditch. It was hilarious now, I'm telling you. We laughed and laughed and laughed. But she said, I'm quitting. But we talked her back into going back out on the lift. And that was a shore for her. We finally got that worked out. So she had a good time after that. But anyway, there was a, a lot of things about Pastor Tony and Tanya. One was a teacher. One was an evangelist. The evangelist brought some people in to us that we thought, gosh, isn't that amazing these people come in. But we watched the Word in a matter of months transform those people to godly stewards. And that was all done through their ministry. So we give them honor. We give them praise for staying with the business because we know it's not always pleasant being a pastor. but We know and we appreciate it. Well, I had to write mine down. I don't want to leave anything out. <clears throat> so I've had the Westons on my mind for a good week now. Not that you haven't been coming and going because I knew this was going to occur. But uh, like Mary, I've been pondering thoughts of the Weston family. And I've been considering exactly what you did in our life personally as well as the lives of Living Word. And you had a major influence. I remember the days when Ty sat on the front row. Where's he at? He was the best little kid. He just sat there and he never gave them any trouble. And I thought, what did you do to him <laughs> to get him to be that good, you know? That, that's what I remember about you, Ty, how, how obedient you were. <laughs> um, still the same, he says. Um, I remember Chris was dating, and his interests were not along getting to know us. That wasn't part of his agenda at that time. Um, he was interested in friends and girls. And I remember Shelby liking to ski... And the stories I heard, he was pretty daring about it. And also, that he seemed to often be in trouble with his parents. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Have you changed that? Okay, just changed that. 
Um, you know, since you probably considered Pastor Jerry and I old at that time, although we weren't, but you kids probably considered us old. Um, that's probably why we never really had lots of time together. Um, but I want you to know, we don't use that word old around here. <clears throat> we will probably never say we're old. Well, we might at home, but we'll let you hear it. We came to Living Word Fellowship Church four years after it had started, which Jerry alluded to. We were elders. Um, Pastor Jerry was on the board. And we were learning just all sorts of new things. It was so wonderful. But I never knew what Pastor Tony might do. If, if you know him, you know that's true. If you don't, if you never knew him, you miss something. He... He would point me out in the sermon. I mean, there was no rest for me. I couldn't relax around him. He's getting up to preach, and he may walk over and say, isn't that right, Virginia, or something like that. You know, and I may be 100 miles away, and I come right back to where he's at. He was always doing me that way. Do you remember that? I mean, no relaxing. One thing I knew was be on guard. Because you, he, he loved to embarrass me, to put me on the spot, you know, and um, no comfort zone. He pushed me to seek God in a different way than Pastor Tanya, and his way was always unique. I'm sure you would agree with that. And I was, I was very susceptible to the anointing. Well, I still am. So he titled me the church drunk. Those of you listening by internet, that was a good thing. It was Holy Spirit drunk, okay? But Pastor Tanya was a different story for me. She mentored me for nearly 10 years. I don't know if she considered that, but she did. She pushed and she pulled me into ministry when I didn't even know what that word really meant. There was even a season when when she would get up to preach, and she would preach with fire and passion. I mean, the word just flows out of her like a river. And when she was here, I don't even remember what, when that was, but when she was here last, she still has it. It's still just flowing like a river. <clears throat> then she would say, Virginia, you, she'd just come sit down and say, Virginia, you go minister to the people. And I'm thinking, Dear God, you preach the sermon, you minister to the people. <laughs> you didn't know I thought that, did you? Um, she, she kept me um, in a bit of, of an uncomfortable spot as well. And um, I finally learned. I better be ready in season and out because I don't know. You know, between her and Pastor Tony, I don't know what's expected of me when I show up. But, you know, she was all the time pulling on me, pulling on the anointing in me that I didn't even realize was there. And you know what that did? That kept me in the Word. That kept me reading and studying the Word. It kept me praying because I never knew when I might be called on right out of the middle of the congregation or whatever. And she pushed me to step out whether I liked it or not, 
whether I felt like it or not, whether I wanted to or not. So you know what? I began to expect it. You know what happened? I began to walk in an anointing to do that. Now, some of you, you know, you never knew this side of me. You just think I, you know, I'm, I, I just arrived here just, just because of the days of my life, but that's not true. Um. I remember the ministry trip we went on. How about that? You've been on several. But we went with Pastor Tanya, just her, to Honduras. And I had not been out of the United States, so we had to go through the passport business and all that. Doing it for her, you understand. Uh, because we, we're going to go be a help and a strength, and we'll be prayer partners for her. So what happens? We, we go out to eat, and there's a, another pastor there, and he invites, I guess they love American people, especially American pastors, so he invites us to preach at his church, and Pastor Tony says, sure, you know, they'll do that. And I thought, I want to go where you're going, Pastor Tonya. She's going to preach at this great big church, and I was so excited about going to that church. You probably didn't know all that. But no, I don't get to go. We don't get to go. Instead, she sends us to a church by ourselves. We don't know a living soul. Now, that was out of my comfort zone. And besides that, we had to have interpreters. I'd never used interpreters. And um, um, I, I was just astounded at the people. I preached on the anointing. Would you know why? Because I was needing some of that, I knew. I can still remember that's the sermon I preached. I can't believe that, but but because I I knew, you know, I, we we got to have some anointing around here because I'm way out there. You know, you know what happens when the mother bird pushes pushes the baby birds out of the nest? Tatum, you preached a sermon on that, and I've never forgotten it. That was the eaglets and the eagle. Well, that's what she was doing. She's pushing us out of the nest, and it's either fly, spread your wings and fly, or die. And you think I'm being funny, but I'm telling you, it was literal, wasn't it, Jerry? And there was such an anointing for us that when the service was over, I said, you know, if you'd like to have hands laid on you and be prayed over, the entire church came up. And um, I, so here's the spirit of prophecy dwelling, rising up in me. And we got to have an interpreter, so it's taking time. And my husband could see that. This is a miracle. He went to the other end of the line, and he started praying and prophesying over the people. I don't know that he's ever done it since, but that anointing just got to him. And so we had quite a lengthy little stay at our church that she sent us to. And you know what she was doing? She was mentoring us even on a ministry trip that we thought we were there just to pray for her. Well, big deal. It was a big deal. And you know what? It was a, a major step in our mentoring well um 
1993, they had ordained us into the ministry. So I did the math on that. And this is 2013, is it not? And I was like, can't be. Can't be. 20 years. Now, that doesn't mean we weren't ministering before that because as soon as we hit Woodward, it was kind of like we were in ministry. But, but we were officially ordained by Pastor Tony and Tonya in 1993. So I... Um, I've had a lot to think about the last few days. I took a long look at us. I know we're supposed to be present and future, but I had to go back in the past just a bit like Terry did. But the idea is to acknowledge you and what you have done and to give you honor where honor is due. So today I want to say thank you for pulling me out of my comfort zone. I wasn't thankful at the time, but I am now. And thank you for putting me in charge of the ladies' ministry, which scared me silly at the time. But it matured in me. And thank you for your passion for the Word, because it has become our passion too. And thank you for depending on me to hear God. You know, all of us hear God, but sometimes we just don't. We don't really think we do. But she depended on me to hear God and to pray and to prophesy. And so, so therefore, I pursued that. Thank you for putting me behind the pulpit. I don't know if the people thought that was a thank you or not. Because she put me behind the pulpit. Uh, Sister Lucille, she was bringing up the 1986 Laverne Retreat last night. And... Um, Sister Betty Sanger was one of the speakers, and you were one of the speakers, and I think I was. I, my name didn't get on the deal, because that was the first sermon I ever preached. But um, now, I don't know why I'm telling you that, except that we go back a ways. But you put me behind the pulpit when I didn't know what that meant. I didn't, I, I didn't have any formal training on this is how you prepare a sermon, da-da-da-da-da. But the Holy Spirit knows, you know. I thank God that he sent you a wonderful husband, a helpmate, to help you fulfill your destiny, Pastor Tanya. And you'll always be Pastor Tanya to me. You're so suited to each other, and you complete each other. And I know by the Spirit of God that you will do great things together. Now, here we are. I'm coming into the present, okay? Past is past. I, th I think I'm the culmination of the word I gave this morning, that this is the time when the past, present, and future are going to come together. So I want to tell you just a moment about the present. The present is that, that I went on to get some more schooling and, and got my Doctors of Ministry certification from C. Peter Wagner, in Colorado. Pastor Jerry and I are life group pastors and we love it. We just dearly love it. We're associate pastors since 1999. We're leaders in prayer and prophetic with prayer teams and prophetic teams and we have strong prayer warriors around here. Jerry is highly involved behind the scenes. You know, he loves behind the scenes. He doesn't, he won't even sit on the front row. This is a major accomplishment today. 
He came up and sat by me. He might disturb somebody if he walked from back there and sat down with me. That's what he thinks. We are um, leaders in the Oklahoma Apostolic Prayer Network. And most of you know, I've been set in the office of prophet. Now, that's a scary statement. And I don't even remember when it occurred. Do you, Pastor Eric? Um, <laughs> but that's something you helped train me for because you, you led me and sent me and called me into ministry time and time and time again. When I didn't know what I was doing, well, who are you going to lean on? God, help, you know? So I began to learn to hear God so that I could fulfill what the demands that, that she was placing on me. So you did help train me for the ministry of prophet. And by the way, I never set out to be a prophet. I don't even know how that happened, but God. That's just all I can say. Um, we are well into our 70s. Jerry is really well into his 70s. I'm just semi into my. Uh, but you know what? Ministry is still ongoing. We're still here. We're still doing the things that you taught us. We've multiplied and dedicated ourselves and reproduced what you taught us and mentored in us. So how can I acknowledge you more? How can I express our appreciation to you for causing us to grow up spiritually? I thank you for teaching and training us to love God and to love others. It's such an honor for us, and it caused us to grow up a whole bunch more when you left and you set our kids in, our daughter and husband. I guess they're not kids, are they? As pastors, it put us in a different spot. All of a sudden, they are our pastors over us. We are under them. Normally, parents are above kids, right? But anyway, it's all worked out, hasn't it? In doing this, I believe you kept the legacy, the hunger for God, and the understanding and knowing the word. You kept that alive in this house. Thus, your legacy lives on in Living Word Fellowship through us, through pastors Eric and Shelley and the leaders and the congregation. So we honor you today, Pastor Tonya, for being you, for always loving us, and for being such a catalyst. He used that word last night, and I thought, I wrote this five days ago, and, and he's getting that word catalyst in what he was doing. So you see, it's a God event. You're greatly loved and honored, and so is the entire family. And look at you, how you've multiplied. Your godly heritage is sweet and anointed, even from your parents. You have such a legacy coming down to you from them. You're an awesome woman of God. Together with your wonderful godly husband, children and grandchildren, you're leaving a legacy for us all. So we honor each and every one of you today. Okay.
That's my little tribute. Was it little? Now, I, <clears throat> I prefer to let the prophetic word just bubble up in me as it did this morning. But um, Pastor Eric said, you know, if you get a word for Pastor Tanya, that would be great. I thought, mm, that's probably a little signal. So I began to pursue God about what he might want to say to you. So I don't mess with this sheet, you know. I write it down and this is what, what God is saying to you, okay? And I have a short word for you boys too. You can take anything you want out of this. But the Lord says, look how far you've come. Jumping over obstacles, sometimes blowing them to bits, but always trusting me. You've climbed hills, you've walked through valleys, you had obstacles threatened to stop you cold. But you've conquered devastation and turned it into transformation. You're an overcomer in the truest sense. You have a heart that runs to me, says God, beats with mine, and loves fully. You've not known your worth in the body, for you've looked at yourself through dark glasses. So today, I take off the dark glasses. This is God saying this. And I place on you glasses that are clear. So that you can see what I see. When you look through my lens, you're going to see your worth and your value to me and my people. No, I'm certainly not finished with you. You thought your ministry had grown smaller. But I say, prepare yourself. For the best is yet to come. I've invested my word in you, much like a needle inserted into your body, puts fluid inside of you, usually medicine, I'm thinking good things. My word you put inside you, it's become part of you, and it never returns void. It always works. Sometimes it takes longer. But it always works. All these years, my word has been working. For one thing, it's been healing your soul. I have much for you to do. To whom much is given, much is required. You wear a mantle that I have given you, and now I'm giving you more. You've become a seeker of truth a seeker of my will, a seeker of my ways, and I am the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. It's now a season of rewards for you. It's a season of blessing and a season of fruition. It's a time for you when it all comes together like that last piece of puzzle and you have an aha moment. You're at a place in your life where you've never been. You even think you know me fully and my ways, but I'm prepared to show you facets of me 
you know nothing about. You've been emotional and heavy burdened even over your call. I do not change my call or withdraw it, but I do enlarge it. You've had many times when you fully understood and your passion for me ran high, and I'm bringing you to such encounters in my kingdom that you once again feel my joy, touch my very presence, and know beyond knowing who you have now become. And this is to both of you. I'm taking you and your husband on a journey, one that you have not planned, but one I planned. Don't think trip, because I did not say trip. I said journey. The journey is knowing me more intimately, more profoundly, and more specifically than you have ever thought possible. The journey has already begun, but will pick up in intensity as the days in the days ahead. I am right in the middle of both of your lives. And I'm opening a door for you that you felt was closed and could not be opened. Is anything too hard for me? As you consider where you are and who you are and where you're going in the days ahead, remember these words. I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. I have knit you two together as one. Now he carries your anointing and you carry his. You've become my team, hearing clearly and acting obediently. The next few years will be a time of expanding for you. I'm writing up the orders today and sending out my angels to you, and abundance will be a part of your anointing. I am expanding your vision of yourselves, but also your vision of me. You're going to see my many facets, and some will just astound you. You see, I'm doing a new thing in both of you, and even now, it shall spring forth. So Chris and Ty and Shelby, would you stand up? Look at all these handsome young men here. You three are an integral part of the journey. Yes, I know you're all grown up now and have your separate lives, but God says, I'm the one who's always connecting. I'm not a disconnector. I'm a connector. There are some issues in your lives that need connecting. I am healing some long-time hurts and misunderstandings, which will enable you to now trust my word to be correct. As faith is applied and then seems to falter, your conception of me can be altered by the enemy. But everything in your individual destinies is good and very good. I've been right beside each of you every moment of your days, and yes, I was there all the time. Even though you're now on your own, so to speak, I'm declaring you're a piece of what I'm doing and working, and I'm creating a tapestry of love 
that will now weave through all of your family lines, past, present, and future. And it will be displayed for all to see. I will be the one who displays the tapestry. You will be the ones who provide the thread. In your lives, you have a mission you are called to fulfill. The blessing will fall of you, overtaking you at times. But know this, your times are in my hand. So trust me to lead you and to connect you as I will. And know that all I do for you and everywhere I lead you will be for my goodness to show through you. For you are the legacy of the ones who came before you. Thank you, Lord. Wow, Bryce Tatum, you guys want to come on up? We're, we've recorded that. They have, you have copies of that? We can get them copies of that, too. We'll make sure that you guys get everything. If it's not today, we'll make sure we get it emailed to you and you guys have it. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm nervous, but I feel nervous. So um, I go back, way back with Living Word Fellowship, not as long back as they do, but uh, <laughs> not quite that old. No, not old. I'm so sorry. <laughs> not that wise. <laughs> Bryce is like, I don't want anything to do with her. <laughs> okay, now I'm thoroughly embarrassed. You know I love you guys. I would never call you old, except for just then. <laughs> Okay, let's get back to the, so my family and I started coming to Living Word when I was a freshman in high school, and my parents, we were at a small church in Sealing, I grew up in Mutual on a farm, and we were at a small church in Sealing, and my mom and dad were really hungry for God, and um, I can't look at Pastor Tanya, I'll cry, <laughs> um, and they just, God just connected us, my parents, with Living Word, and I think Tanil and I were just excited because they were cute boys in the youth group. <laughs> but it was there that I really um, fell in love with. <laughs> it was there that I really fell in love with the Lord. And I remember watching Pastor Tanya and just wanting what she had. I mean, coveting her gifts, not in a bad way, but in a, God, I want that. Just the way that she would encourage people. And she would just make you feel like, I can accomplish anything. I mean, every time I would hear her speak, I would just be like, I can conquer the world. And then I'd get home and I'd be like, hmm, I mean, maybe not. <laughs> but when I, I just remember the passion and the fire, and she would always make you feel like you were the most important person. And um, we, so we, I graduated from high school and, and um moved to college, and Bryce and I got engaged, and um, Tony married us. He probably thought, what in the world are these kids doing? I know. I look back and think, what were we doing? We were so young. But, um, but when we came back after we were married, um, we just jumped right in at Living Word, and they put us to work. I think we helped Jeff and Lucinda with the youth, and I was on praise and worship with Lucinda. And I always get nervous when she's in the house, when I have to lead in front of her, because 
She's just like, oh, way up there, you know, in my, in my eyes. But, I mean, they didn't, they didn't let us sit on the pew. I mean, they just, they saw the gifts in us that we didn't see. I mean, we were young. I mean, we were leading the youth, and I mean, I was 20 years old, married, baby on the way, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing, you know. I don't think either of us did, but um, we just did it by the grace of God. And, and um, then things, you know, transpired, moving from past to present, and here I am 11 and a half years leading worship. I cannot believe it's been that long, 11 and a half years. Um, and uh, this church means, I mean, it is obviously very integral part of my life. And, um, but the worship team's like my second family. I mean, I don't know where Susan's at, but I mean, I couldn't do my job without her. She's amazing. She's been here longer than me, but um, so my favorite story, just uh, pastors asked me to um, try to just share what Living Word has meant to Bryce and I, and, and I could talk a long time, but my favorite story was um, in 2004, Bryce decided he was going to run for state representative, and so he quit his job, and we just took a leap of faith, and we campaigned, and um, it was a very, very hard-fought campaign, and it was exhausting. We had three young kids. Our kids were like six, three, and not quite two. And um, it was just, at the time, I don't know how we made it through it, but we did. Well, we got beat, and it was just like a, looking back, it wasn't so bad, but when you're 26 years old and you quit your job and you have three children to provide for and you just expected God to move on your behalf and, it looked like he didn't. I mean, it was a dagger to our hearts. And that was a Tuesday. It was July 27th. I don't know why I remember that. Um, so that was a Tuesday we got beat in the primary. Very, We got beat by like 150 votes. We were slain. I mean, the campaign got dirty, you know. And I remember calling Pastor Shelley crying because our opponent was bad-mouthing ma- bad us. And my skin was not thick enough for that at the time. It's gotten thicker, but... So we lost, and we came to church that, that next Wednesday night. Well, in the meanwhile, while we were campaigning, we decided we needed a bigger house because we were in this little bitty house on Bent Creek, and um, we ran across this opportunity, this bigger house on Hillcrest that needed a ton of work. But we thought, why not? We're young. We can do this. So we uh, bought that house, and so while we were trying to campaign, we were trying to remodel this house, and... and um, Anyway, we, are, we were closing on our house that we were selling the day, two days after the campaign, the, the election. So we came to church on Wednesday night, and we were closing the next day. And I hadn't, po- I hadn't packed one box, not one. And so Pastor Shelley announced at church, we are going to Bryson Tatum's house to pack them and move them. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, people, um, I mean, my house was... Total disaster. Three kids. We'd been campaigning. I don't even, I just remember thinking, okay, this is not time to be proud. Just let them come and move. <laughs> so they did. I, I don't even, I can't even tell you who all was there, but men showed up in their pickup trucks, trailers. Women came with their kids. They were just going through my stuff, just boxing. I don't even know where the boxes came from. I mean, it was like a supernatural, I don't know what, I, but in one night, probably in three hours, they had our entire house packed up 
and moved. And then the next day, a bunch of ladies came over and cleaned because we'd been remodeling, scraping popcorn ceilings and peeling wallpaper. And so the house was filthy. It was not livable. And so women came over and cleaned that house from top to bottom. And that's just an example of what family does. That is what a family does for each other. And it started with Tony and Tanya. And just, I mean, I could tell story after story. I know that um, we're short on time, but I want to move into the future real quickly. I want to share a verse. It says, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. And I started thinking of the people that have come here since Tony and Tanya have left. God had them in mind when he put that vision of this church in them. I thought of James. I thought of all the people lately who have stood up and declared their freedom from drug addiction. I thought of Carrie Byers. I don't know if she's here this morning. God had them in mind when he put that seed inside of Tony and Tanya. And so the future, I want to challenge you guys Because the seed he's placed in you, someone 30 years down the road, they're going to step into the relationship with God because you stepped into your calling today. It says, God, the things he planned long ago. The things he planned long ago. God had you in mind. If you're here today and you've never even, never knew who Tony and Tanya were or that they had anything to do with this. He had you in mind when he placed that seed, this, a, a vision of this ministry in them. And so think of the people. Be a Tony Weston to someone. Decide today that you're going to be a Tony Weston to someone, that you are going to step into your calling because there's people that God has planned for in the future to come because of your calling today. Amen? I should have gone first. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm still finding stuff, by the way. She used the word packing very loosely because I'm still finding stuff that uh, was put in, in, uh, in crevices and things. It was amazing. Uh, and she's one of the most structured people in the, in the world, so to just have chaos running through our house and everybody... Uh, going through everything was pretty funny to watch, actually. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I come, I guess, from a little bit of a different angle. Uh, I, I grew up with Chris. Uh, we were same class. And then I left in junior high. And, and uh, so I knew Chris as the guy with the good-looking mom uh, and and the cool dad. You know, we were, we, Chris was voted the dude with the best-looking mom every year from... <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I knew Chris through school growing up and, and then, uh, moved away in junior high, but always stayed, uh, in contact with my guy. I wasn't very far, you know, so, um, was always in Woodward and always stayed in contact with everybody. So I've known Chris and, and, uh, Shelby and Ty since, since we were kids. And then, you know, when we came back, uh, and, and, uh, got involved in youth, um, we were the youth 
ministers, I guess, or associate. But then, you know, Ty was still the most mature guy in youth, including myself. Uh, and and uh, he you know, he was 15 going on 30 at the time. And I think Shelby probably, but when he was 30, he was still going on 15. <laughs> but don't feel, but Tatum says this. I got a 15-year-old now and a 12-year-old, and I'm, I'm right at home, man. It's great. I still act that way, but... Uh, Anyway, it it was a tremendous time. You know, we talked. They, I heard somebody say something last night about being the. Uh, it was Pastor Eric about being the associate uh, pastor and what do you do? And Tony said, "You do what I tell you to do." And Jeff and Lucinda were the youth pastors, and we were the associates. And I, I kind of got it off my chest last night. I've been carrying around this bitterness for years. <laughs> we we uh, <laughs> we, you remember the uh, you remember the, we did some Christmas play, right? You remember this? Okay, and and uh, Ty is the angel in the middle of the deal, and he's his job is to stand in the middle of the uh, stage through the entire thing. I don't know why we had him holding his hands up the entire time, but uh, with his hands out, well, Ty gets uh, his wisdom teeth taken out. Is that what it was? So I don't know what it was, but we get there, and just like Ty can't make it, he's you know he's got his wisdom teeth taken out or something like that, and we're like, well, we're gonna have to do without the angel, and he's like, nope, you're gonna be the guy. And I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going up there to be the angel. And he's like, Well, I said you do it. And he goes, You're the associate youth pastor. You get to go do it. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't let that go yet. And I told him last night, I was like, I'm still mad at you for that. I, I was, I, I told Ty, I said that was the angriest angel anybody's ever seen. They probably just sat there. They're like, What's the matter with that angel? He's <laughs> so. Anyway, I feel better now that I got that off my chest. But, you know, we came back and, and went to youth. And I grew up in the Baptist church and started, you know, much like, you know, a lot of guys do. They'll, you know, follow their girlfriend around. So I start going to uh, church with Tatum. And um, it was it was really interesting to me. First off, I learned to bring snacks because sometimes it would go till 1 o'clock in the afternoon or so. But uh, I, learned, I learned real quick, you know, I, I saw uh, – Pastor Tanya up there, and she was just this amazing teacher, and Tony was just, you know, Tony was the same from the pulpit as he was, you know, in his shop or, or on the streets. He just, you know, he had that big belly laugh that, you know, would just was so contagious, and, and, uh, and, and he treated everybody. Uh, it didn't matter if it was, you know, somebody that we had brought in or if it, no matter who it was, uh, they all got treated the same with Tony, and that was something that I, I really thought was, was a big deal, and I, I learned um, n- never make eye contact while they're preaching. I-, I learned that quickly because, you know, I'm a Baptist boy, and this prophetic thing, I had no idea. But if you make eye contact, there's a high percentage chance they're calling you out for something. <laughs> and so I was like, anytime they would start moving down my direction, I was looking at my Bible or something like that. So, uh, but um, you guys, you guys had such a big impact on on. Uh, on so many people, and and Tatum and I wouldn't be where we're at if it wasn't for the investment that you guys made in our lives. So, um, and you know, you hear con- you hear constantly about all the tentacles and all the. I heard Tony say one time that he was responsible for a million souls, and I know that he reached that, and the souls that are being reached because of what he did now far exceed that. And uh, I I was I was like, man, if you guys would have been in Amway, you would have been all, made all kinds of money. Yeah. <laughs> You know, people outside everywhere making money. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I'm, I'm glad you didn't choose Amway. But, uh, and, and, uh, but thank you for what you guys have done. And, and Johnny, thank you for, for, uh, for what you're doing. I, I haven't got a chance to meet you or know you. I hear you're a big Sooner fan. Is that right? So you did well, Tanya. Um, but uh, we really appreciate, you know, you and, and taking care of Tanya the, the way that you do. And if there's ever anything we can do on your guys' behalf, you've invested so much in the rest of us. Uh, we want to help in, in any way. So uh, thank you for what you did, what you've done and what you continue to do. And um, on behalf of, uh, we did a um, citation from the uh, governor in the Oklahoma State Senate, and I want to I read that to you now. It's uh, to the Weston family. It says, whereas the destiny of our society depends on the willingness of men and women to accept responsibility and work for the good of their community, and whereas the Weston family has reflected these attributes through their work establishing the Woodward Living Word Fellowship Church in 1985 and faithfully pastoring it for 13 years, and whereas the Weston family, known for their work and dedication to Living Word Fellowship Church, and advocates for Christian education with Woodward Christian Academy, also instrumental in bringing contemporary Christian music to Northwest Oklahoma by founding and operating 90.7 FM, and whereas the Oklahoma State Senate, acting on behalf of the citizens of this state, extends warm and sincere appreciation to this outstanding and dedicated family and sends best wishes for a happy future. Now, therefore, pursuant to a to the motion of Senator Bryce Marlatt, the legislature of the great state of Oklahoma extends to the Weston family sincere congratulations and direct this citation be presented. Signed, Bryce Marlatt and Governor Mary Fallon. So congratulations. Wow. Jason, Jessica, come on up. You guys are next. Wow. You guys all right tonight? Say honor. It means we highly esteem you. Well. Uh, my heart's been in my throat a little bit this morning. I don't know about nervousness or, or that, but I just, uh, I don't know, I don't know where it's coming from. It's just, it, it's extremely personal to us, you know. I don't have the same connection that, uh, the previous speakers do to the family. I mean, I knew of y'all more than I knew you or had that relationship, but. You know, when Pastor said we were doing this uh, honor weekend, we got on board and we're very excited about it because they've taught us so much, you know. So, uh, <laughs> first off, I guess I just want to thank you guys for being able to make it down here and allowing us to do this for you and, and just receiving it. Uh, uh, we just want to thank you for the fruits and the seeds and the labor and the sacrifice. You know, I can echo what Pastor Eric was saying last night when he was talking to you boys and, and the family about sacrifice, I can start to relate to that. I've only been really in the ministry for 
three years, kind of, you know. Uh, but I've seen some of that sacrifice, and I've seen some of that, and, and I know that it's a, a great deal. And uh, so I don't have any of those personal stories, but I, I do want to share some personal things from, from our life. You know, he asked us kind of how Living Word Fellowship has impacted our lives. And so I just want to relate to this to, to your family and just let you know how some of the seeds and some of this legacy is repeating itself and how valuable it is to us as a family. Uh, there's, there's, there's a word that kept recurring to me as I, uh, as I began to pray about this and think about it, and it was restoration. Uh, nine years ago, or uh, nine or ten, started attending here, whatever, I'm sorry. Ten, started attending here, and uh, some restoration began to happen as they began to look and uh, just echoing what they say about uh, how uh, you guys saw something in them, and so... I know all this stuff that they're given to us had to be given to them from somewhere. And the foundation had to be laid by your family. And so uh, they, uh, they began to see something in us. You know, I, I laugh about the way me and Eric met a long time ago. The, our, the first impression of me had to be terrible. But he didn't look at that, and he began to see stuff in, in me. And, and then after we got married, and the two of us, and... Uh, I guess I would just start with restoration of uh, our marriage as we, we, we got married and, and uh, early in our marriage we began to have problems and, I, and uh, things got really, really bad and I, I found my, myself sitting in his office and, and he didn't have all the answers and that was good. <laughs> but just an impactful moment, you know, he looked up at me and we were both crying and he just looked at me with compassion and said, you know, after we talked for a while, and, and I don't want to give you all the ugly details, it doesn't matter. What matters is the impact. You know, he looked at me through tears, and he just said, Jason, what do you want me to pray here? And with my heart broken on the floor and shattered, I just said, I want you to pray for my marriage. I want a restoration. And just to let you know, February 4th, we celebrated nine years of marriage. <laughs> you said you'd signal me. So. I know, I know. So that's just one impact, and uh, I just wondered if you guys had that in mind, you know, when you're sacrificing and the things that you had to go through as a ministry family and, and the prayers that you put up, I wondered if you knew that it would impact my family. I just wonder. I wonder if you knew that. Uh, relationships, I mean, not just my marriage relationship, but another impact would be relationships. Uh, my father is a good man. I love him. But there were times, just like many of us, where the relationship went sour. And, and as a 14-year-old, I was pretty rough on him, but he was rough on me as well. And, and things got rocky and shaky, and, and uh, I, I remember it all fell apart, and we just had a terrible relationship. And, and I, I've been preaching to my young people and talking to them about family the last month and how important that is to have that relationship. And uh, anyway... Uh, the restoration of my father's relationship happened through a, a ministry that Pastor Virginia had because uh, I, I thought I understood forgiveness fully and spiritually speaking. You know, my friends that would hold me accountable to that would ask me, Jason, how's your relationship with your dad? And I, will, I would always say, it's great. It's good. I forgive him. Everything's good. Not knowing that there's something spiritual that hadn't happened and that there was a wall built, you know. And uh, anyway, Virginia had this ministry, uh, Deliverance, and I went through that. And it was, you know, I... 
at first I was kind of like, Bryce, some of the things I saw at this church, I, you know, I was a little hesitant. I wasn't a Baptist boy, but I mean, it's still, there, there was, you know, so, so when people told me about it, I was like, are things going to be flying around in the room? Or am I going <laughs> to, you got to throw me against the wall? What's going to happen? But really it was just something deep seated spiritual that she was going to do praying for me and talking to me. And the thing that happened in that room was something was removed. And when I walked out, I walked free. And ask me if that's worth something to me. Ask me if I value and highly esteem your family for that. You know, ask me how valuable you are for that. Because uh, the thing that happened there has just been incredible. And we talk about honor and how it, how it brings life. And I'm still trying to wrap. I, I discussed this with Jessica over the last few days. And trying to get my spirit and my brain and everything wrapped around honor and try to get it for real for me. But one thing I can say is the honor releases power and releases life. My dad worked for the cable company for like ever. And they, one day they just decided to fire him. And he went through so much with not only me, but with that. And so you can imagine the beating that he took as my father going through this. And I wasn't helping and just to speak about how honor releases life, after I began to get some of this example from Pastor Shelley and, and Pastor Eric, uh, I began to try to operate in that a little bit, not knowing exactly what I was doing. But I, I had never told my dad or honored him or spoke to him the way that I began to speak to him. And he would say negative things to me. I just remember one day after this experience, this encounter that I'd had, I was in the bedroom and he began to go off on one of his tangents, and it was always so hurtful before I had gone through this, and it didn't hurt, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, Dad, I love you, and uh, all of a sudden, he melted, and his shoulders went back, and I, I began to do this for, you know, a while, and after about a week or so of doing this, I could see God impacting him, and power being released, and him going back to his position of my father, and being valuable in my life, it totally changed, then he began to, uh, he got a job, and things just, I mean, just, everything changed. Life was released back to my father through honor. And so I, I'm beginning to see that. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to jump in. I'm waiting for you. But anyway, these are just, there's so many impacts. When I, we started to look at the nine-year, ten-year journey of what, what this family means to us and what this leadership means to us, that you must have sown into them, what you must have inspired them to, what you must have pushed them to, uh, the value of that, the value of that. I, I, I can't tell you what it's meant to my life. I just... There's so much that it has changed for me. I feel like I'm living in this abundant life that I couldn't, could have never imagined for myself. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I gave my testimony about finances. We were like more than $20,000 in credit card debt, and that seems like such a natural teaching, but it was supernatural the way that they brought it and the way that they gave uh, uh, spiritual truths about it. We got out of debt, and, and so that was another impact. I mean, just restoration of our finances. Uh, I would go on, you know, I could go on for a while, but I see that we're running short on time. But I, I want, uh, I just want to say also a restoration of a, a dream that kind of died in me. When Eric met me, I, 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 I was raised in church. I was raised, you know, with all kinds of good values and, and good experiences with God, but for a long time, when I was 14, 15, I got this desire to kind of be in the ministry, but I didn't know how to get there. And nobody had ever come along like they did and just saw something in me and said, this is how you do it. Come with me. Do this. Follow me. You know, I didn't really have that before. And I made some bad choices and things kind of took a turn. And I found that dream had died. And I found that 
that uh, I had kind of wrecked things. And when he found me, he just always saw something. They always saw life in us. They always uh, uh, urged us, encouraged us, pushed us to be uncomfortable like we've heard that uh, reverberated many times. But uh, that dream had kind of died, and they breathed life onto that, and they just kind of they just kind of continue to speak into our lives, and they've never left us alone with anything. Anytime I've asked for any kind of help, I mean, it's discipleship. It's discipleship over and over, and they just they're reproducing the legacy over and over. And so, I mean, we were excited about this weekend for that. We wanna we wanna tell you how valuable your family is and the many sacrifices that you must have made. Uh, it means something to us, too, and we don't even have, like, the stories that uh, other people have from personal connection and relationship, but we have our own uh, personal experiences here that are a result of that. So uh, I just wanted to, I was glad that he gave us this opportunity just to kind of tell you, and I want to run like a champion with what God, with what God uh, did and established and the foundation is so valuable, like Tatum was saying, the, the many lives, there's not enough time to sit here and tell you how, how many lives have come in here and how many experiences I've had personally with different people. Uh, it's incredible. And so I just want, we just want to honor you this morning, and we want to tell you how valuable it was just to us personally as a family, the many different impacts. And we want to encourage you and just highly esteem you. And, and I agree 100% with what Virginia was prophesying. It's just I know there's great things, and there's so many things. I uh, have no idea what's going on in your lives, but I just want to be your cheering section and say, hey, you know, if God did this for us, you know, in a result of some foundation that was laid, there's so much more, and there's so much more in your your lives that's going to happen, and the journey's going to be fantastic. Uh, so we just praise God for you this morning. I don't know if my wife's going to say anything or not. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I have so much to say. I mean, this morning has been just emotional, and... um. Wow. You know, Eric and Shelly, they're my spiritual father and mother, you know, and just amazing. And just, you know, because of what you guys sowed into their life, they have sold into, into our life. And even, um, and I mean, just like, I didn't know you guys, but um, I know that um, my family... You know, um, like my Aunt Irma, I love her so much. You know, she she attended Living Word with Tony and Tanya. And, you know, and MIE's always visit and stuff. But, um, you know, she was totally changed from five years of, you know, I knew my Aunt Irma. And then five years later, she was, I mean, it's like when you're in love and, you know, you have that glow. You know, she had that glow about her. And I was like, oh, what is, you know, what's up with my Aunt Irma? You know, she just loved Jesus. You know, she's, oh, you know, just all, and she just prayed for us. And I know she prayed for our family to be saved. And um, I believe because of her, because of you guys, because of the church, you know, I was brought to Woodward. You know, they they saw something in, you know, in me and, and, um, you know, just prayed for us. And then, you know, pulled me out of where I was at, you know, brought me to, to, to Woodward and then came to Living Word and, met my husband and you know and just amazing things have happened um and I believe because of this the seed that was sown and you know and I've you know I'm in the children's ministry and I love it and it was something when you know Pastor Shelley pulled me into the office and was like you know this something that you think and I was like whoa you know I've always been since I've come to church here in the children's ministry and I love it you know started with the babies and kind of just gradually went now you know I'm with first and fourth grade and I absolutely love it it was scary you know, but she never, she didn't leave me, 
you know, it's like, she's, she's always there, you know, we're always meeting, and, you know, she's always pushing, and I love you, and, you know, just like a mother, you know, just always there, and, um, and we, you know, you know, and I've been able to, to do so many things with ministry, and I love these kids, I love the kids, and, you know, we have a, a back-to-school batch where not only, you know, our community, you know, we, this year, well, last year, I guess, we reached, you know, we gave 500 backpacks away, you know, filled with school supplies and things like that just you know, are amazing, and that's, you know, oh, you guys are just a part of that, and so many things, and, you know, I, you know, there's so many stories, oh, there's so many stories, I think we all just need to write all these stories down, a big old Living Word Fellowship book of testimony, because it's testimonies, you know, and I just, um, I love you guys, you know, and I know, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, I'm so excited where we're going, and, um, anyway, I can just go on and on. I'm emotional, and I, you know, in my marriage and my family, I appreciate you guys. You know, we have, you know, whoa, a testimony of what God has done in our life. You know, a marriage and of our kids and our family, my brothers and my father, and you know, just so much that you know, his family, and you know, just love you guys. Wow. Um, well, thank you for honoring us today. To the right of the stage, you'll see a... This is the dedication of the Weston Room last night. We dedicated the Weston Room, our prayer room, to the Westons. This is a plaque that will be mounted on the outside of the room. This is what's going to be mounted inside the room. So that's a legacy that will continue to go on. Mike, I'm going to ask you to come on up. Mike is the headmaster at Woodward Christian Academy, and we have something that we'd like to honor you as a family. Super. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity uh, to be here. I feel uh, new to the party as I've only been at the academy for a year and a half, uh, but I do feel, feel part of the family as I am ministering now uh, on the legacy that your family has built. Uh, And then uh, last year, Eric renewed that partnership, letting us be in this building last year uh, where the church housed our school, and I sat here uh, every day behind this pulpit speaking to an audience a little bit younger than you guys, uh, (laughs) but not a whole lot. Um, But uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the school. Uh, Since its time in the beginning, it has had a home in, in several different places. It spent some time at the Presbyterian Church, uh, some time at the Free Will Baptist Church, and then some time here. And then recently, we've acquired the old Westwood Elementary building. Uh, we spent about $2.5 million uh, renovating the, the old existing school and adding in new space. We have a new auditorium, a new uh, gymnasium, rock wall, if you want to come climb the wall. Uh, we'll get you harnessed up. Um, new science lab. Uh, I feel like we got some state-of-the-art stuff uh, to help educating our kids. Uh, but the beauty is that we get to do it in the context of the gospel. Uh, one of the things that I get to do, continuing your, your legacy, is uh, minister to kids in the name of Jesus every day. I have three or four kids every day. Uh, they're sent to the office uh, because kids are kids, uh, but they leave hearing the gospel of Jesus and that you know kids deal with many of the same, the kids at our school deal with many of the same things that they deal with in public school, uh, bullying, you know, drugs, whatever, dysfunctional homes, um, but we get to minister to them in the name of Jesus and show them where uh, the answers are uh, beyond just math and English and science and things like that. Uh, the school um, for many years remained relatively small. I found just this year as we were moving, 
a roster from 2006-2007 school year, there were still only 31 kids. And then now the year before I came, the 10-11 uh, school year, we had moved up to 68 kids. Uh, last year was my first year. We had 87 kids. And this year we enrolled 105. And so the school is continuing to grow. And again, it's the legacy that you guys have built and the sacrifices that you made. And so we're excited about that. The future looks bright. Uh, with the 105 kids, we have 13 paid staff, and then we have a host of volunteer staff who come in and, and make this thing possible uh, every day. Uh, we feel like in our current facility, we should be able to minister to about 200, 225 kids and uh, expect to get there within five years. And so we're pretty excited about that, uh, hearing the gospel every day. Uh, do you want me to, to explain this? All right. So one of the things that we want to do, and this was Eric's idea, but we're so excited about it, is that Living Word Church, Living Word Fellowship, has uh, instituted a new scholarship. And it's the uh, Pastor Tony Weston, Pastor Tanya Weston, Robbie, and their family scholarship. And it's going to be an annual scholarship where we're going to begin. You give me the amount? No. It'll increase. It's going to begin on a level, and our goal, and this is Eric's goal, is to increase that every year, uh, either in raising the amount or raising the number of kids who get uh, the scholarship. Uh, this plaque will be put uh, in a very prominent place at the school in our new facility, and uh, every year the kids who receive the scholarship will have their name put on the plaque as a remembrance of what you guys have done for the school in the beginning, uh, giving it its energy and its uh, trajectory uh, that has... Uh, led it to where we are now, and hopefully we can honor that legacy and carry it into the future. Let me, let me read this for you. It says, Pastor Tony Weston, Pastor Tony Weston Roby, and their family. This will commemorate the outstanding legacy that has been passed on to our church from their family, Living Word Fellowship. We'll present a scholarship in the honor of the Weston family to a deserving Woodward Christian Academy student annually. And it says, February 24th, 2013, Pastors Eric and Shelley Cox. And each one, each recipient of this will have their name engraved on a plaque and it will be included on this plaque and it will be displayed at the Christian Woodward Christian Academy. Thank you very much. Let's give Mike a great big round of applause. Thank you, Mike, very much. Bless you. Thank you. Oh, praise the Lord. So we're, we're looking at the opportunity. We'll, we'll have some criteria of this, and then we'll get together and pray over it. And you can be involved as much or as little as you want to involved in this. As a selection, we would love to be able to do that and be able to have that. So this is just another way to honor, say honor. Another another thing that I want to do is I want to have the boys, you and Tanya, if you guys will come on up. Shelly, would you help me, please? As we dedicated the prayer room last night to the Weston family, that's our Weston room. We've got plaques for each one of the family members. And here's what it says. This plaque is presented to Tanya Weston Roby in honor of the Weston family. Living Word Fellowship presents an acknowledgement to commemorate 
the outstanding legacy you have passed on to us. We treasure the gift of your regard, your thoughtfulness, your prayers, your sacrifice, and your internal impact that you have imprinted on our lives. We will be forever grateful for the seeds of the word of God that you've planted and nurtured for us, in us. We remember and cherish our time as a body of believers, searching and becoming mature in God together. Our hearts are full of thanksgiving for these moments. Our lives have crossed and a divine exchange occurred. Thank you for the many years of special memories. It says we honor you here today, February 24th, 2013, as being a significant, everlasting heritage for our church family. Pastors Eric and Shelley Cox. Johnny, come on up. We want you up here also. So we give you these plaques that you can take home and hopefully predominantly display somewhere in your home. And, wa and wives, come on up. You guys, come on up. We, you're all part of this. Kids, too, those that are here. Tanya, this is, this is your plaque that we give to you. Ty and Chris and Shelby. And we give them some honor as a family. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise for this family legacy that they sent to us. We honor and we bless you today. We highly regard you as a family today. And it's just not going to, it's not going to just stop. It's going to continue to go on. Amen? All right. Um, we, okay, would you guys be seated just a moment? I know we're, uh, we're at a, some closing moments, but we would like to have, thank you guys. We bless you. How many of you would like to have Tanya be able to come and share? Tanya Weston, we honor you and we bring you back into the pulpit and have you share a few moments with us today. Let's give the Lord a great big warm welcome for this woman of God. Thank you for staying late today. Um, oh, I hardly know where to begin. But to tell you how much, how precious you are to me, how precious this man is to me, how precious our time is. There's a part of me here. Um, when I when Johnny and I drove into town uh, yesterday. I came home, and it feels so good. I see this building. I see the wonderful things God is doing. I, as I went back in my mind to 1979, when we drove into Woodward, Oklahoma, 
so many thoughts. We started at First Assembly of God, Tom and Linda, with Pastor Bill and Dorothy, who poured and poured and poured themselves into our lives, nurtured us, groomed us, helped us, led us, until we came from to a point of being the youth pastors there. Jason, of your older brother, Stephen, was in our youth group. Isn't it interesting how our lives come full circle? God has just been so faithful to our family. And on behalf of our family, I want to thank you, Pastor Zurich and Shelley. Virginia, I wrote my things down to her. We'd be here another hour. You know that. Thank you, Pastor Zurich and Shelley. I need my glasses. You know, I have memories. I was, I was thinking about when um, the headmaster was speaking of uh, the year the, the school board at that time at, in, in our church approached me and said, we would like for you to um, govern the school body, be the head, headmaster, I guess. And I had no credentials whatsoever to do that. But then again, I never had credentials to do much of anything that... Uh, Tony and I decided to, to take and to, to, to move forward in. And so, you know, I was just, sure, I'll do it. Sure, absolutely. And I can remember getting in more trouble than the kids did because I was a cheerleader. I was the church cheerleader. I was the school cheerleader. And I can remember Deborah Stone, uh, who later, I believe, became the headmaster, came to me one day and she said, you are creating so much trouble and so many problems because when I send them to you, it's because they're in trouble and you give them a Coke and you cheer for them and they come back so excited they were sent to your office. But I created a, um, an entrepreneur program for the fifth grade. It was just an incredible, incredible, incredible experience for us. And I'm thrilled and excited about what God has done. That's amazing. And I appreciate you and what you're doing. Um, you know, I remember Susan and I, we go back farther than any of us go back. Because Susan and I went from second grade to fifth grade school together in Laverne, Oklahoma. My daddy was the pastor there. So we have quite a history together. It's so good to see you, and she does such a beautiful job. And, you know, I, when we first came to Living Word Fellowship, it was Northwest Christian Outreach Center. And I could go back and share all kinds of details and things that I had written down, but time's not going to allow for that today. Um, I was the church janitor, and we cleaned the church glad with, with the spirit of gratefulness so excited uh we were in something alive and wonderful and and exciting and new and fresh and we were growing and learning and and I was just excited so we cleaned the church and then the nursery was a problem a point of contention at that time and so I said well, let me have that so we took the nursery and we organized and recruited and did the things that we needed to do until eventually as as all of you know 
uh, we took the church. The name was changed. We began a new direction, and the dimension began to be created of what was to come. And um, let me just stick to this. On behalf of our family, Pastors Eric and Shelley, I thank you. I thank you for this precious day, this precious weekend for our family. You're just precious to me. Um, it's like children, you know, your you're natural children. You want them to far exceed anything you do. And I want that. They're our spiritual children. And look what God is doing. You don't know. That is like just blesses my soul in ways I can't even begin to tell you, begin to tell you. But I want to thank you for this spirit of love and hospitality, this spirit of excellence and integrity that you operate in, in the ministry, and in your personal lives, you're consistent. And that's where power comes from. It's inconsistency. Power lies. Thank you so much for your integrity that you operate in. Thank you for your leadership. Your leadership has continued, continued to guide this ministry for such a time as this. The vision of outreach, both in this city and around the world, is truly alive and well. Your love and compassion for this body of believers, as well as those who are desperate and hurting, is a true reflection of the heart of God. Thank you for your devotion to the call of God and being a man and woman of humility, conviction, and a vision that is non-negotiable. Your revelation on the grace and the goodness of God is shaping the lives and changing the perspective of everyone you touch. Thank you for taking the torch that we passed to you and running your race, not seeking man's approval, but with a genuine heart to please the Father God and follow hard after him. I am so proud of what God has done and is continuing to do through and because of your leadership. You are precious to me. I love you both more than my words can convey. We humbly as a family receive the honor that you have shown us on this special weekend with grateful hearts, thankful hearts, knowing that a harvest of untold blessing and favor will enable you as pastors in this ministry to continue to a new and incredibly greater place and to the congregation, the congregation of this precious place. Oh, the stories. I can remember one service when Martin and Sherry, the girls were little. I don't even know if Jacob had uh, been born yet because how, what's the difference between he and Lindsay? four years old. She was probably a little bit younger than that. And she walked out and, you know, he was, he loved those girls and he was pestering her and she had a baby doll and he grabbed her baby. Oh my goodness. She was so mad at him. She wouldn't, she really had nothing to do with him for quite a while after that. I can remember uh, teaching the nursery and uh, Danny and, um, uh, help me, Kaylee, were in my nursery class and how much fun we had. They would come to my house. They would play at my house. I remember one time they were at my house and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wash out the trash cans. Oh, they got excited. So we went in the backyard. 
filled up the trash cans. And of course, then, you know, their clothes got soaked and, oh, you know, I knew their moms were going to be picking them up. So I said, okay, Pastor Tanya's going to wash and dry your clothes. And so, and they started screaming. They said, we want to wear one of Chris's t-shirts. We want to wear one of Chris's t-shirts. So we ran in Chris's room. They put his t-shirt on and they were just like, you know, enthralled at the idea that they had one of Chris's t-shirts on. It was so cute. So, so cute. So I have so many memories, so many precious memories of just little things that are so cool. But to the congregation, to each one of you, and to the precious congregation of Enid, I'm so blessed that Pastor, Pastor Terry, Pastor Cindy, that you are here today. I'm so proud of what God is doing and what's happening in Enid. I'm so excited, Shauna, that you would be here with me and for me this weekend. You and Stephen, your entire family last night. Your mother was the first one that came to the first meeting. Lucinda, I don't know if you remember, you know, we'd pack up that, that trailer every week, load all the equipment up on Saturdays, drive all the way to Enid, and we would do church with every ounce of passion and fire that we did here. And Patsy and Missy were the first ones there, along with Jim. He was a naval a, a pilot for the Air Force in Enid. He began to come in his family. I can remember doing that week after week after week after week after week after week, on and on, over and over, because of the vision, because of the non-negotiable fire and passion and purpose and call of God. I can remember it snowed. Uh, it was a really deep, deep snow. Um, ridiculous to drive to Enid on a particular Saturday night. We weren't going to take the praise team. And I had said to Tony, I said, let's just call and let's cancel because look at the weather. It's awful. And he said, you know what? I, I, well, I told him, I said, Patsy will, will be, be fine. She can get hold of Jim. Everything's going to be fine. He said, but you know, I made a commitment to God. I made a commitment to him that I would do what he called me to do. And he says, it doesn't matter how many hours it takes. Someone might show up that doesn't know him. And I have to go. I'll never forget that service. We drove four hours to Enid, Oklahoma to preach the word. And I think there were four or five of us there. And you would have thought there were 200 people there. What a blessing. What a blessing, what a privilege, Shauna, to watch you groan in the Lord and to step into the anointing and the calling on your life and Steve to watch you come in. I can remember services when I would preach in Enid. Pastor Tony would be here. It was a swap. It was, it, you know, it, the church had grown to the place there that one of us needed to be there. And so we would take turns and go back and forth. And I can remember uh, Shauna's baby sister, Rusty, and uh, the oldest one, Tabor. Tabor was just a little bitty. I must have been a little bit bigger than Cash, probably about three, three years old. And he was enamored with me for some strange reason. And I would minister and he would come when we, when we would have prayer and he would sit at my feet and just look at me. You know, I remember those things. Those, those moments are precious. They're a part of who we are and where we've, where we've come to. So to, to you, congregation, what a privilege and honor it was to be your pastor's Nothing great and lasting happens quick or easy or alone. But as we collectively join together in a corporate endeavor, 
each one embracing and owning the vision with our gifts, our energy, our love, our grace, determination, and with our combined efforts, we laid a foundation and accomplished much for the kingdom of God. My heart is warmed as I remember the great things God did over and over and over and over again in our midst and all around the world, country after country after country. I remember one of the, the mission trip that, that Doug alluded to last night when Pastor Tony was in Pakistan. This particular trip, he had been gone for about a month. We had two churches. We had the two Bible colleges. We had the Christian school, the radio station. Uh, Tony was an entrepreneur. I, he had two or three businesses. Three boys. Chris was in high school. Shelby and Ty, I believe, were in junior high. And so he was gone for about a month. And I know that during that particular trip, some different things had transpired. The elders, I can remember uh, one particular thing that I got slammed with was just took my breath away. It was one of the hardest things as a church we had ever faced at that time. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, call Brother Jerry and let the elders handle this. And I don't know if you can reference what I'm speaking about, but you took that and you lifted that off of me. And I just remember how we worked as a team, how we came together and we did the things we did. And I remember when I picked him up from that trip, he met me with tears running down his face. And I said, what is the matter with you? And he said, the Lord spoke to me while I was in Pakistan and told me I had been disobedient. And would I answer the call ever? If not, the blood would be on my hands the people in Enid, Oklahoma, that I was called to touch. What do you think? And I said, I think we better get to Enid really quick. And that's when that journey began. So country after country after country impacted and influenced as we together corporately did what we did for the cause of the kingdom of God. What a precious time it was. For our family, from our beginning at First Assembly of God, with Pastors Bill and Dorothy, investing and pouring into us. I am so sorry. And with your help, we raised three of the most incredible young men. With your help, you loved us. With all of our imperfections, our novice. You, you believed in us and you stood with us. We formed lasting relationships that only eternity will, will show. We treasure you and those relationships and those friendships forever. In honor of my late husband and the father of my, my three incredible sons, Tony Weston's life, was radically changed in 1979 after having had a divine encounter, intangible encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ personally. He answered yes to the mandate to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was 18 years old. Tony was a man of vision, a man of action. He was fun and a good time, full of jokes, always making people laugh. But he was foremost... He was totally serious. I'm having a really hard time with my glasses. And consumed with a passion for souls. He was a man of few words, but full of wisdom, discernment, and a keen sensitivity to the realm of the spirit 
and the supernatural. You know, I know, I don't know how many occasions he had divine visitations and saw into the realm of the spirit, and he operated in a realm that I coveted, that I've never, I've never, you know, that just wasn't the way the Lord ministered to me or through me. And then Virginia came into our life, and Tony and Virginia were in the spirit and, and, and in that supernatural realm, and and uh, he would just had a keen sensitivity and a, a, a tremendous, tremendous, uh, I don't know, special walk with God, I guess. He lived each day with a compassion and a dedication and determination to make the high calling of God first place in his life. He was totally devoted to the, to the call of God. He was a man of prayer and had a living, vital, and radical relationship with the Father, he knew the voice of God and never hesitated, as we all know, to be obedient. He had a tremendous anointing to teach on end times and was a true apostle of God. He loved to see the gifts in others in full operation. He could see what no one else could see. His greatest joy came when each one of you answered the call of God on your lives. And as far as he was concerned, we were all called to preach and evangelize. To my boys, we are all better, sharper, more skillful, and forever changed because of your dad. His heart for God, his legacy lives on, his words and wisdom ring loud and clear. And he would be pleased. He would be so pleased and so proud of what has happened in this house and will continue to happen in this place as he worships and rejoices before the throne of God. Chris shall be in time. Your dad and I are so very proud of you. You are each one unique and truly amazing. You have navigated through many transitions in your lives some really hard transitions with such courage, grace, strength, and forgiveness. You are a blessing from God. I don't know what I would have done without you. You are a gift. Thank you for my daughter-in-laws, Christy and Jackie. But most of all, the best thing you've done for me are my G-babies. I have the four most beautiful G-babies in the world, and they love their G's and their pops, and they know Big Daddy's in heaven with Jesus, and they understand. They get it, but I am so thankful to you boys for being there for me, for holding me up, for lifting me up, and for, for just hanging in there, for loving and believing and keeping us all pulled together. You are precious to me. You are truly precious. I see a piece of your dad, a different piece of him in each one of your lives, and I just know how proud he would be. My G-babies are truly the joy of my life. Now to my husband, the wonderful, magnificent, incredible, hot Johnny Roby. I love you. You are a gift and a treasure of God. What a mighty God, God we serve. You're a symbol to me of the faithfulness of God. You were not a backup plan, Johnny Robbie. Just God's plan for this season. 
I am eternally grateful to my Heavenly Father for bringing you into my life. You are my Boaz, and I honor you all the days of my life. You have embraced my family, my children, my daughter-in-laws, my G-babies as your own. It is amazing. And we are grateful for you as a family. Tony would have approved and be so blessed at what you've done for our family. You've embraced them as if they were your own, and they are, Johnny. We love you. You loved us unconditionally, and we are blessed and looking forward to the rest of our story. Our race has to be run, Johnny. The gospel story it has to be told. His love has to be shown. His grace and his goodness must be declared. And I have a fresh excitement and enthusiasm, a rekindled vision to inspire, encourage, and fulfill the call to preach the gospel to anyone that will listen to me. Anywhere he sends me until he returns or my dates are fulfilled. My scripture for this church and for my time that I answered the call on my life, this has been what I hope you will remember me by. Do you remember the verse where Paul said, I travail until I see Christ formed in you. Please remember me that way. I will never give up on anyone. Never, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever, because God has never given up on me. It's so exciting. Uh, I, want, I do want to share with you one, one passage of Scripture in Philippians. You know this, so you don't need to, to turn there. I'm going to read this to you from the NIV Bible. Philippians 3, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained it all, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. That's my story. I forget what is behind. Though, you know, and Paul was referencing here, wasn't the good and awesome things that God had done. But you remember his life, what it had, had, uh, had amounted to at this particular point in time prior to this. He had crucified and persecuted the, the church. And so when he came to know the Lord, can you imagine what he had to deal with mentally and emotionally and physically? I can't even begin to imagine. And he knew that in order for him to fulfill the purpose and the call and the ongoing plan God had for his life, he had to let that part of his life go. And I know, I don't know about you, but I know in my life, that's been something that, that I've, that's always been an, an issue with me is being able to really let go, let go. Anything that would hold you back, any thought that would cause you to disconnect from the vision and the passion and the purpose of God, you've got to disconnect, you've got to, you've got to forget it. We've got to drop it. We've got to let it go so we can obtain the prize, so we can run the race. Amen? And so Paul said we have to forget those things that are behind and strain. He said, I press, I press toward that high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus. Now, I was up at 2.45 this morning reading this passage of Scripture, and I promise you I read something here that I don't know that I've ever read before. And this is what, it's, what Paul said in ver the very next verse. He said, all of us then who are mature should take 
such a view of things. One sign of maturity in your walk with God is the ability to let it go, to let the past go, to walk away from those things that the enemy would use to hold you back. I recently preached a, a message in, in my father's church in Spearman, Texas. My mom and dad, I was so blessed. They were here uh, last night. My daddy just had his 75th birthday. And the legacy that my family passed to me my daddy's a minister. My grandpa's a minister. My aunts and uncles are preachers. And it was just, I guess, in, in my, the, the gene pool or um, just, just part of what was to be that I would follow suit in the ministry. And I pray that my children or my grandchildren, you know, I look at them and this morning I've thought, could it be that one of the four of them or all four of them would take the gospel and preach the word throughout the world. Who knows what God's going to do? I'm really excited. But um, the, my message was what to forget, what to remember, and what to expect. What to forget the past, the weights, the things that would hold us back and, and cause us to become hostage and paralyzed to what God had. What to remember. When we remember, did you know we're also looking back? So when Paul said we have to forget all that, he was just talking about your life B.C., before Christ. But he said, I want you to remember, God, the, the Father tells us in, um, let me see if I have that written out for you. Um, I think I wrote the, this verse down. And um, let's see here. Psalm 77, 11 and 12, he says, I will earnestly recall... And feel connected to the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will earnestly remember the wonders you performed for our fathers of old. I will meditate also upon all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. So there are things that we need to remember. We need to remember all the wonderful and mighty things that God has done from the beginning of Living Word Fellowship. That's what we've taken this weekend to do, was to remember, God, what you've done where you brought us from, where we are, and now where we're going to. Amen. How exciting to be a part of something so amazing, so incredible, so fabulous, so fantastic, so overwhelmingly big and huge and marvelous. It has only begun. This building is in the heart of the city. I began to close my eyes as we drove to the, to the church this morning. And I said, Johnny, this building is in the heart of the city. I believe that this church, pastors Eric and Shelley, your leadership team and staff, have the heartbeat for the city. I think you need to get ready for all the wonderful things that God is going to do. Because I believe it will be a fast work. I believe it will be a quick work. And it will be amazing at what you see him do. Pastor Shelley said something last night. She said, you know, maybe it's a good thing. God doesn't always let us see everything that we wish. Do you, have you ever thought that, oh, I just, you know, wish God had shown me, you know, what, what's going to happen in so many years and so many years. And I think that's the innate nature of us as humans. You know, we want to know, God, what, what's God going to do? You know, where will we be a year from now? Where will the ministry be a year from now? What new vision will, will we embrace and, and be a part of? And, and maybe there's books in you to write or there's, there's 
gifts in you. There's songs to be sung. You know, I was the praise and worship. It just seems like, you know, when you're the pastor's wife and it's a new church and you're, you're starting at the, at the very beginning, you do it all. You clean the church. You take care of the babies. You preach Sunday school classes. You, you just do whatever, right, Shauna, needs to be done. Shauna was my secretary. Shelly was my secretary. And you just do whatever needs to be done. And I, I know so many times I wondered, God, what are you going to do? What's going to happen next? What new vision is Tony going to come up with? Because he'd get a vision, share it with me, and throw it in my lap. That's kind of how we seem to operate. So I'd take the vision. We'd run with it. Corporately, we collectively joined all of our energy together because to do everything we were doing was very you just you couldn't think about it, or it was very overwhelming. And I don't know how many times in my mind I thought, oh, God, just show me. You know, I can look back. Tony's been in the presence of the Lord for, what did we say, seven years, the perfect number. I'm glad God didn't show me everything that was to come. But he shows us what we need to know for now. Amen. Enough that... that that propels us and catapults us into the great things that he has in store for us. Those rough times, you know, I was thinking about so many of our lives, how many Brother Terrell went home to be with the Lord. I remember all the transitions that many of our lives have taken. Awesome, you know, some, some awesome uh, things have, have occurred but how many of you have ever gone through things that weren't so awesome, weren't, weren't things that you were so excited about? But look at you. You're here. Look what God has done. Here you are. Here you stand. When you thought you couldn't, you did. When you wondered how you were going to make it, you did. When you wondered what was going to happen, something happened. God is a faithful God. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. And everything he has purposed and planned. I walk in and I see this board and I said, Shelly, what is this? She said, that's the dream. It all begins with the dream. What is your dream? Do you dream? I have dreams on the inside of me that have not come to pass. Nations I've not been in yet. We were in a movie theater here one night, Tony and I, and we had gone to see a Jim Carrey movie. I don't know if y'all remember, Pastor Tony loved Jim Carrey. And he, he had this um, cartoon, what do they call those cartoon poster deals that look like the person, you know, standing there, of Jim Carrey in his pastoral office at one point. And we had gone to a Jim Carrey movie. And you all know Jim Carrey's funny, right? And so when you go to his movies, you laugh. And we were sitting in this movie, and you know, those of you who knew Pastor Tony or spent time with him, he joked, he was fun, it was a good time, um, just so many things. And I'll never forget, he began to cry in this movie that, that we were seeing. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? He said, shut up and watch the movie. And he just kept, he sat there and he kept crying. And I said, seriously, what is going on with you? He said, just shut up and watch the movie. And I must have done that four times. So finally, I shut up and watched the movie, and he cried. So we're walking out. You know, he's burying his face because, you know, when you live in Woodward, you know everybody, and everybody knows you. And he said, just get in the car. Get in the car. So we get in the car, and I said, oh, my goodness, dear Jesus, what is wrong with you? And he says, as we sat in the movie, Tanya, God began to deal with me. And the Lord spoke to me and said this, that I better never stand in his way. 
or get in your way of running the race God has called you to run and fulfill the call of God that is on your life. So will you make me that promise tonight that you will run your race, you will never quit, and you will finish what you've started, and you will fulfill God's purpose. I said, yes. I said, yes. Committed to the cause, committed to the purpose, filled with the passion, filled with the determination to embrace the fullness of what God has yet to come, what is yet to be told, stories that will yet to be, be, be read, testimonies like each one of you that shared, testimonies that are yet to be testified, babies yet to be born, on and on and on. I said yes to the call and the cause. And I love you. I appreciate this weekend has been so good for our family. I thought as I sat here, how precious for me that my G-babies got to come and see what Big Daddy and Gigi began here. What God's doing what, what's part of their legacy? How precious to have my daughter-in-laws here. They could have stayed home. Chrissy could have said, Cash is just too little and it's just too much work, Tanya. Jackie could have said, you know what? Oh, Kale is, you know, I just don't know. I just, I, we just need to stay home. And it could have just been the boys. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for your love and your support for our family. You got, you, you've married into all the craziness, all the drama, all the sagas, all the nuts stuff that happens. And I just thank you for these babies. They're my world. I love them. They're beautiful. You're fabulous. You know you're yummy and delicious, right? Yes, yes. I'm just so thankful. I'm just thankful and I'm grateful. Pastors Terry and Cindy, I'm grateful to you. Who would leave Pastors Billy Joe and Sharon Darty in Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and come to Enid to carry the torch? Something's getting ready to break and happen. Something's about to begin. Something is going to be rekindled, a fire in you you have never known before. Don't be discouraged. Don't be depressed. Don't be downtrodden. God will finish what he's begun. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. I pray for you. And I know here, more than I know here, something is about to happen. We're a family. We're all a family. We're all part of the same vision, the same story. If it weren't for the sacrifices this church made, the church in Enid, the lives that have been touched, it would have never happened. It cost a lot of money. It put stress on the budget. Um, I, just, I just remember all the times when it would have been easier to have just said, you know what, this is done, this is growing, this is up and coming. Let's just stop. I don't know, probably the board members and me felt like sometimes just putting a break, finding Tony's break, excuse me, break. I don't know if we could have found it. Right, Brother Jerry, Pastor Jerry, and just said, pause. <laughs> you know, it's just his heart for the lost. He would come home from mission trips and sit in a rocking chair. I can remember one night in particular getting up. We um, were living in Enid at that time. We had already moved. 
He had come back from some country and was sitting in the rocking chair in the middle of the night weeping. I said, what is it? He said, the souls. I see people's faces in front of my face tonight that don't know him. Their faces are different colors. Their skin is different colors. I have to go. I have to run my race. He was consumed. Do you remember? Some of you maybe were with us in the very beginning at 5th and Texas. How many of you were at 5th and Texas in that building? Do you remember? Those were the days of Arthur Blessed. Do you remember when Arthur carried the cross all over the place? Do you remember when Pastor Tony went with Pastor Kevin Kinchin and they carried the cross, I don't know, all over somewhere? And Pastor Tony came back with a very changed heart and renewed vision. And what did we do? Made a cross that big put a wheel on it, and the guys would go out on Wednesday nights. I would stay and teach in the sanctuary. Do you remember that? And, and the guys that were willing, Martin, were you with us then? Chris, I, you were with Chris. Was, Chris is probably uh, the longest standing member, maybe, of Living Word Fellowship. And, and he would carry that cross, and you would go in and out of bars and preach Jesus up and down the streets. The city officials spoke with him at one time and he ended up having to get a permit but he was just determined if it meant winning one it was worth it it was worth the price the cause of the kingdom is souls if we ever lose sight of it and it becomes buildings or it becomes uh, building a name we've lost sight of the heart of god We've lost the vision. We've lost the kingdom connection because it's all about love and acceptance and approval and the goodness and the love of God. Telling people, you can do it. Where's Tatum? Has she already left? You can make it. Where are you, Tatum? You can make it. You can do it. I remember uh, one particular night, Rita and the girls were... Um, Rita and I were at the house, one of the homes that we lived in here. I don't remember where all the guys were. And Tatum and Tennille were cheerleaders. Cute as a button. Cute, cute, cute. And I had all boys. And I'll never forget, they had come in from a ball game, flew in my house, and I have never for the life of me heard so much screaming and squealing and noise and everybody talking at the same time. And those girls were just bouncing, bounce. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Mute, time out, breathe, come up for air. I mean, I just remember that. You are precious to me, mighty woman of God. I appreciate you. I appreciate, where's Bryce? I appreciate your family. I love you, Justin. Good to see you, Justin, and to know the family. I just look at, at Nita and Bill. I, I look over the, the crowd. And some of you I don't know. How thrilled I am I don't know everyone here. How sad would that be if it was just the same ones here? Oh, that'd be scary, wouldn't it? But just like Pastor said, we're talking about what's going to happen. Next time we come, I pray this church is full and if every one of you brought one person next week, do you know how possible that is? Just one. Each one bring one. What a campaign. Such a marketing expert, aren't I? Each one bring one. If every one of you brought one. I can remember the days Chris was in junior high and one of his buddies, Lance Frederick. We, do y'all remember? Do any of you remember Lance Frederick? 
we began, he was just like our fourth son until Brent came along, and then Shelby's buddy Brent became the fifth son. And I, we began to pick because the boys weren't driving at that time. And every service, do you remember Lance? We'd pick Lance up, and we'd bring Lance to church. I can remember a couple of other occasions we had. I, I remember I remembered Kay Van Dorn. Uh, this last week, I was thinking about her. And any woman that came into the church, Martin, that was hurting and needy, your mama had a compassion, I'm telling you, that was second to none. And she had a vision for one of the ladies that had, was a part of the church that was so desperately needy that I can't even tell you how desperate it was. I don't know if you remember this story. She came to me. She said, Pastor Tanya, we've got to do something. I said, uh, so all I could hear was Brother Hagen in my ear saying, if you love them, you'll tell them. If you love them, you'll help them. And this is one of those situations where we needed fresh clothing, clean clothes, deodorant, that type of thing for this precious woman. And she said, what can we do? I said, okay, Kay, what do you want to do? She says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take up a collection from, from everyone, and we're going to go. We're going to go shopping for her, and we're going to buy the deodorant, and we're going to buy all this stuff. So, Kay, we, we did, we did. I said, okay, let's do it. And so I can remember the package we put together because of your mama's heart for the cause of the kingdom. Chris, I remember your mom, Ber Bernice, Bernice. She was so precious to me, you will never know. Because before Virginia, she was the intercessor of this church. She had a spirit of prayer on her. She was, had a Catholic background. And I'll never forget, you know, we always knew she, Bernice was praying. Bernice was praying. When, when uh, Mike and Pat would come in, we'd come to lunch, and we would have great times together. I can remember Pat would put, put Shelby in his Corvette, and off they went to look at the girls. I'll just never forget those stories and those, those times we had. And when, when Bernice was about to go home and be with the Lord, it was one of the biggest struggles of my life as a pastor's wife. Because I thought, what are we going to do? Oh, my goodness, she prayed for us. What, what are we going to do? And it was just sucking my breath out. And we were, we were at the home, and it was just probably the week of her passing, if not a day or two prior. And I sat there, and I cried, and I cried, and I held her hand, and she looked up at me, and she said, you are so selfish. And I said, well, selfish? What do you mean? She said, it's my time to go home, and you won't let me go. And I said, oh, but who will pray for us? And she said, God will provide. I said, okay, fine. I release you. She went home to be with the Lord, not because I released her, but, you know, it was just a part of what I remember, what God's done in Virginia. Look, look what God's done. It's amazing. It's mighty. It's powerful. That mission trip we went, you'll remember this. We went to their home, and there was no water. And I said, what do we do for water? And uh, Louise said, well, I told the story, and they have to wait for the rain to come. And, they, and I said, so what do you have? But he said, well, you know, I said, what do you need to have water all the time? Well, we need these cisterns. I said, okay, let's go, let's go look. And so Jerry and Virginia and I, we went with him, and he, so he showed us. And we just, I said, we have to do this. They have to have water. And you did that. I mean, so many times, so many things. We just did them, didn't we? You don't think about it. You just do it. I challenge you and leave you at 108 with this word. You have been precious to sit through this. Um, I could never tell you what this weekend has done for each one of us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I pray that Tony was able to look down on this and to be a part um, 
of what God's done this weekend. This has been a precious, precious weekend for us. So I thank you. But I leave you with this thought. Run. Run like you've never ran before. Go. Go like you've never gone before. Love. Love. Like you've never loved before. Love changes lives. Love heals wounds. Love's, love brings success. Love like you've never loved before. Pray. Pray like you've never prayed before. Because it all makes a difference. Can we say that together? It all makes a difference. I look forward to the next time that we are here and with you. I thank you for your continued faithfulness and support. And everyone, what are we going to do next week? Bring, bring one, your babies. Say, go get somebody on, in our block that will come to church, and we're going to take them to church. Everyone can bring one in this house. It will be amazing what God will do corporately, cumul cumulatively, joining together grace. You know, grace is so vital to a body and a family. You know, I know our family. Do you know you have to have grace? Because stuff happens. And it's not always fun. And it's not always good. And everybody doesn't always act the way they should or say the things they should say. It takes grace to cause a vision to come to pass. And I just am so, so, so in challenge you and inspire you, encourage you that you will be provoked today to do good works, to support the precious pastors that God has so anointed to do incredible things and to lead, excuse me, to lead you to places. Just blows my mind. Wow. I mean, I walk in this building and I'm just wowed at what God can do. The vision, the dreams, that, that is just powerful to me. That is one of the most powerful things. And I, in the name of Jesus, you know, Jason, you stood up and you said a word that God gave me. I said, God, I want to know what my word is for this year. My word was restoration. God says, I'm going to restore to you this year. I'm going to restore. And he began to tell me the areas that were going to be restored. I went into Johnny Roby, the handsome, hot Johnny Roby. And I said, oh, I have to tell you what, what our word is for this year. You know, I mean, he may have his own word, but our word this year is restoration. Johnny Roby, you're going to be restored. Everything is going to be restored to you that the enemy has stolen to us, to our families. Restoration. There are things that are going to be restored in your lives in the, for this ministry. You are going to run in a room. That is powerful. Get in the vision. Embrace the vision, but own the vision. Own the vision. Own the vision of this house. And when it becomes your vision, you know what happens? You're, it's, 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 it's all about what you can do to help do your part. Because it's just about you just doing your part, not my part. Pastor Jerry can't do my part. You know, one of the things that Tony used to refer to him, he called him Father Time. Do you remember that? The, the ski trips. Jerry kept everything on time. And those of you that knew Tony knew he was never. Time was never an element in any arena of his life. But, you know, we, we do things when we own a vision differently. We respond differently when it's my vision. So pastor shares a vision as Joshua. Remember when, when Moses handed the torch to him and the Lord had spoke to him and said, Joshua, I'm going to show you the boundary lines. I'm going to show you what I'm going to give you. 
And he said, all this is going to come to pass because the word's going to be first place in your life. And the people responded, and they said this to him, as we walked and followed Moses, we will walk and follow you as long as God is with you. All the people wanted was a man of God that walked with God, that knew God, and they said, we will follow and obey the vision. I challenge you, you have a Joshua in the house, a man with a great vision, a man with a powerful anointing, a woman with an incredible spirit. You are yummy and delicious, my friend. I love you, and I appreciate you making those announcements and doing the things you told me no, and I said, yes, you will. <laughs> you will make announcements today, Shelly, but I'm sick of my Make announcements. That's all I can tell you. I've got other things to do. Make the announcements. And she just did it. She just did it, and look what, see, God knew what was coming. Pastor Terry and Cindy, God knew the whole time you were at Victory, the things he has yet to come to pass in your life. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. I love you. I love you. You're an evangelist. I remember stories about you jumping out of the car when Pastor Terry was driving. She said, stop, stop, stop. There's a quick trip there. There's somebody in there I've got to go preach to. And she, Cindy would go in, Right? And preach to them, win them to the Lord, come back out, get in the car, and off they'd go. Is that not incredible? Somebody at the, what's that store? Hutches. Needs Jesus. Stop, stop, stop. I got to go in and witness and preach Jesus. to. I mean, that's the way I want to be. I want to be spontaneous to the Spirit of God so that I can embrace pastor's vision. Eric, I connect with the vision of this house. I embrace your vision. I embrace your vision. We connect. We're going to be a vital part. If it's with our finances, if it's with our love, if it's with our friendship, thank you for believing in me when I didn't believe in me. Thank you. Thank you for loving me, for the talks we had, for the times we shared in private that no one knows about. I love you, friend, and I appreciate you. Virginia, thank you for all the intercessions and all the prayers that went up and have continued to go up for our family from you, from your home, from your prayer room. I love you. I love you. I love you. Winona. Oh, my goodness. Those trips to Dallas, that trip to Dallas. We looked up and said, saw a sign. It said, welcome to Arkansas, home of Bill Clinton. I said, shut up, Winona. Look at that sign. Oh, my gosh. I said, well, there's more than one way to Dallas. And we found another way, didn't we? There's more than one way. When we get off track, God knows how to pick us up and put us right back. Oh, I can remember another time. I just have to share some of these little things as I'm closing. It's now 1.15. Uh, I went in Winona's store. And she was waiting on people. And, you know, it was just busy and chaos. And, and everything was disorganized and disheveled, disheveled, however you want to say it. And I can remember getting behind the counter and cleaning behind the counter. Getting it organized because I'm kind of like Tatum. I like everything in its place. Good times. Lucinda, good times we've had. Good times we've had, Irma. Oh, I love you. Good times, Chris. We've had good times. Oh, Danny. I, you know, I just, Dina. The letter that Pastor Eric or Pastor Shelley read last night from the, the what did, was it called, the bag lady? Dina, stand up, please. I love you, my friend. That was Dina. She drove over today. I love you. I appreciate you. Kelly Sue, I love you. Got to run your race, sister. Your daddy's in the presence of the Lord, and he wants you to fight. He wants you to win. He wants you to run your race, and don't ever compromise. Be a woman of conviction. Never a woman of compromise. Stephen Shauna, wow. Oh, my. 
your family, your mother became a second mother to us. Uh, you are precious to me. You know that, sister. More precious than my words could convey to you today. And I love you. I love you. I appreciate you. I can remember Shauna began to preach, and I began to do with her, Virginia, what I did with you. And uh, I began to stir her. And I had given Shauna some clothes because it seemed like every time something didn't fit me it, that was in my closet, it always fit her or was too big. It was too big probably. And I can remember her telling me something that blessed my soul. She said, remember that one jacket you used to wear? Wasn't it red, blue sleeves? I wore that in Honduras one time when I preached. It had the it was kind of a Michael Jackson cool-looking jacket, way cool-looking jacket. I mean, I made that jacket look way better than he made his jacket look. It was awesome. And I had on, it's, it has that Michael Jackson look to it. And so cool. I mean, it made you cool if you weren't cool. It was just a cool coat. And so I felt impressed to give that to Sean. And she said, you know, that coat's a little bit big for me. But when I pray, I put that jacket on. And I walk with that jacket on me. The mantle of God. The mantle of God. My mantle won't fit, Shauna. The coat didn't fit. But it inspired her to pick up her mantle, to find out what she was called to do, to find out where the anointing graced her life, and to run her race. And she's preached and preached and preached. And I am very, very proud of you. Very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what this is all about. Now, we all need to stand up together, and I want you to make me a promise. He said, well, you haven't told me what it is first. Just shake your head yes. It's all good. I want you to promise me you will run your race, that you won't stop, that you won't quit, that you won't hesitate, but that you will embrace and own what you need to embrace and own, that you will come to pastor and say, what can I do? What can I do? I don't care if it's cleaning the church. I vacuumed the floor and prayed in the spirit. I cleaned toilets and prayed in tongues. You can pray in tongues doing all kinds of crazy stuff. No, it wasn't my favorite thing. No, it wasn't what I ultimately, you know, I thank God I'm, that I've, I've moved on into a different arena. There are people called to do that, that find no greater joy than vacuuming and praying in the spirit that release more anointing in the house than you can imagine. So whatever it is, God's dealing with you to do. Maybe you don't even know. They have something you can do. Well, let me pray about it. You don't need to pray about it. You just do it. I didn't say, Shelly, pray about doing announcements, would you? She'd say, you know, I've already heard from God. He said no. He said no, that, that I didn't have to do that. No, you just do it. It needs to be done. We don't pray about picking up our clothes. Some of you for sure don't pray about it. You need to pray about it. But, you know, there's just things we do. We don't pray about eating. I never pray and ask God where I should eat, you know, if it's okay for me to eat. If I'm hungry, I eat. Fifteen minutes later, if I'm hungry, I eat again. There's just things you do because it's the right thing to do. Why? Because of the grace and the goodness of God and his love that he's embraced you. He's got an open hand this morning. The question isn't what will God do, it's how great is your reach? How far are you willing to stretch? How, how, oh, what are you willing to allow him to do in you and through you? So will you say yes? Yes, Pastor Tanya, I will run my race. I need to see your hands. I need to see you excited. So it's one o'clock. We go to Honduras. They'll stay all day, won't they, Virginia? They're hungry for God, aren't they, Johnny? I'm telling you, they'll come and come and come and keep coming. Because they love Jesus. They have nothing. 
but they have it all because they have him. And I don't know, pastor didn't give me the authority to do this. I'm going to go ahead if that's all right. But I want every head bowed and I want every eye closed because I do not know you. And if we close this service today and one of you left and had not been given the opportunity to meet my sweet Jesus who changed my life and is still changing me, still challenging me to stop things and to start things and, and I want you to know him. I want you to know him. So maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I've listened to all this crazy stuff. Maybe you've been here before and you say, you know, I know I've heard it and I've heard it. But I need to make a commitment in my heart. I need my perspective to be changed. Or maybe your perspective was changed this morning and now you need to make a shift in your life. It's just as simple as a shift. Pastor Tanya, I want to know your Jesus. Would you slip your hand up? No one is looking. No one is peeking. Nobody peek. No peeking. This is between you and God. And you say, I want to get it right today. I'm telling you from my experience in my life, tomorrow is never guaranteed. Are you listening to me? With eyes closed, tomorrow is not a guarantee for you. We pray the word. We walk with God. Nobody walked closer to the Lord than the boy's dad. No one. It would be impossible for anyone to fellowship with the Lord any, on a greater level. And one morning, he was in the presence of Jehovah. Why? I don't know. What about you? What about you? This is serious. This is serious. Are you here and you don't know him? I need you to raise your hand up and say, today, today's my day. Today I'm taking the victory lap. Today I'm making Jesus my Savior. I want him to come in. I want him to fill up every part of my life, my mind, my thoughts, my actions, every part of who I am, what I think, what I do, where I go. I want him to fill me full. Are you here and you don't know him? Slip your hand up fast. So we all know him. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you know my Jesus. So now we have a job to do, church. Not come fill a seat. We have a mandate on our lives to take the gospel to the world. The gospel of a living Christ who's excited about our future, no matter what the political scene looks like, no matter what you've been through, what's happened in your life, no matter what. God's grace and God's goodness have connected with me in my life in the most undeserving times. When I least deserved his love and forgiveness and favor, when I was the chiefest of all sinners, he reached down and embraced me and re-embraced me and re-embraced me. There are people outside these doors that are hurting in this city. Oh my, the city's exploding. And there are people that don't know you're Jesus. You're the Jesus they need to see. 
You're the love they need to feel. You're the smile they need to see. You're the kindness that needs to be shown. So I love you. Pastor, I love you. I thank you for the opportunity you gave me to share with the congregation. I highly regard you. I highly esteem you. The call, the anointing, the purpose, the passion, the obedience on your life. I am a part of whatever you do. Whatever you do, Johnny and I commit to you. We are here. We are here for you any way we can be. Thank you for what you're doing for the academy. Oh, my goodness. That is precious to me, what God has done for the school. Thank you, sir, for being here today. My pleasure to meet you. I pray God's anointing will rest on you and his grace in a greater dimension than you've ever known as you deal not with the children but with their parents. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you. Just release your goodness upon our lives today. You've blessed us tremendously. And we are humbled. We are honored. God, I thank you that today is a new day. I thank you that the Weston family will continue to look forward. Glance back, but keep their eyes focused on what's ahead. Father, we just ask you now to just strengthen us as a family, a body of believers. And we just say that the kingdom of God continue to advance. Not only in Woodward, but in the state of Oklahoma. Not only in Oklahoma, but in the United States of America. Not only in the United States of America, but every country. Every people group, every tribe, every nation. Jesus, you shed your blood for them. Father, I thank you that even tonight, today, there's a renewed strength to be released. I thank you that we walk in honor and what our honor brings is life. I speak life. I speak life into the dry bones. I speak life into, into every ligament, every tendon, every muscle. I speak life. Stir up a passion for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Can we give the Westons another hand of honor and praise? You know, I was wondering if, if, if we dismissed at noon, you'd be fighting for a place at the restaurant. So, you know, you have to worry about it. The restaurants are cleared out. Go be blessed. Uh, the, the family will be here for a little bit. So if you want to come and uh, shake their hand, again, God bless you. And, and as always, we release you in the, His power and His might, and we thank you for coming and being part of this. If you need prayer today, we will pray for you. Just come on up and say, Pastor, I need prayer today. We've got those that will be glad to pray for you today. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.